I have in me the ability to make you a better you. So if you work hard, focus, stay on point, you can do anything. Trust me. We made this track. Tell everybody they can follow their dreams. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, KeversVoice.com. Always on, all the time. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. Remember the revival? Relive the remix. Reunite for the Orange Blossom Classic. HBCU reunion experience. It's year three, baby, and we back with that fire. Calling all HBCU fans. Labor Day weekend. The I Love Jackson State University takes on the Venomous. Florida A&M University. Tickets are on sale now. Watch the game in premium style seating. Or watch it from a luxury suite. And of course, you know the halftime show. It's going to be epic right here in the 305. The sonic boom of the South. And the illustrious Marching 100. Who you rocking with? The 2023 Orange Blossom Classic. Don't miss the HBCU reunion experience. Labor Day weekend, Miami Gardens, Florida, Hard Rock Stadium. Trust me, we'll see you there. Oh, oh, oh. Check out OrangeBlossomClassic.com for tickets and info. Zone, Brian Fulford, Marcus Green, Kelvin Rozier, and it is Jackson State Week, Orange Blossom Classic Week. We are ready for the start of the 2023 FAMU football season. Uh, can you feel that excitement, Marcus? Kelvin, can you feel the excitement in the air? Oh, yeah. You can. I mean, it's palatable. People have been popping junk all summer, back and forth. You know, it's not one-sided, and now it's time for the rubber to hit the road. Amen. Amen. Um, so, it, well, it's not you know, we got a lot of – Go ahead. I was just going to say, we got a lot of things going on right now here in Tallahassee. So, you know, but uh, we, we got through it the, like pretty pretty good. We was on the right side of the storm. But um, in terms of uh, this week – 
highly anticipated. And I like the approach that uh coach has taken with this uh game. You know, we we we, we know it's a big game, but you know, we're not hyping it more than it need to be. Let's play. As coach play said, this is a business trip. There's no going to the beach, there's no going to Dave and Busters, there's no hanging out in the in in the in the in the Miami. This is a business trip. Uh, and I love that tone that he set and said on day one on Monday. And and that's the approach this team needs to have. If they expect to do what they haven't done in a while, uh, if they expect to do what many of us expect them to do this season, that, that's the right attitude. So uh it's good to good oh. to good to see that. And and, and uh, yeah, let's take a second and Kelvin, obviously, you are in Tallahassee. I'm in Orlando, so I didn't have, uh, even though schools were closed here in Central Florida and Orlando, obviously Tampa was hit a little harder than us. Uh, but uh, give us a, give us an update on how uh, things are in Tallahassee, as best as you can, obviously. Well, in Tallahassee, yeah, in Tallahassee, you know, for me, you know, we lost power a couple of times, but it was only for like a couple of minutes and it came back on. Now, I have family that's on the northeast side of town that uh, power went out and they still, they've been out power since five o'clock this morning. So it's kind of hit, hit and miss. You know, you have some trees that are down and so forth. But overall, considering the storm in this area, the kind of storm it was and so forth, we came out fairly decent. Now, the surrounding area is going south along the coast. That's a whole different story. There's a lot going on in Perry, and, uh, which is Taylor County, and um, and some of Jefferson and so forth. So <clears throat> those are going to be the hottest hit areas in the state. So we'll, we'll see how they come out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, thoughts and prayers definitely to, uh, to anybody who might be dealing with uh, – uh, damage, but yeah, from from a lot of reports, um, it, it seems to have avoided a lot of folks in the in the Tallahassee uh, surrounding area, or maybe the immediate area. Uh, apparently, no damage uh, was done on on either FAMU or FSU campus, um, so uh, that was good. Uh, I believe, from what I had heard from uh, Gerald. Uh, Thomas, that the football team was going to practice this evening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was instead of their normal morning practice that they would have done, obviously, with the weather and all. Um, and so there's, you know, a lot of people were kind of speculating or there might have been some rumors about them needing to leave early. <clears throat> the plan is, from what I heard Coach Simmons say, they're going to leave uh, Thursday because they have a obligation to be in town on Friday and okay. Saturday. So they're going to look to practice on Friday down in South Florida, look to practice on Saturday as well down there. But that was also part of why, you know, coach was very adamant about uh, it's a business trip. You know, there, there's no, everything they're going to need and want is going to be at the hotel that they're staying at. So they don't need to, they don't need to really travel outside of that, uh, and that's a good thing, I think, for, for for this game. Four days away from the Orange Blossom Classic kicking off in Miami Gardens, 
That's right. Sunday, September 3rd, right there in Hard Rock Stadium, right behind me, uh, Miami Garden. And uh, scheduled for 3 p.m. Eastern broadcast will go out on ESPN. So, FAMU versus Jackson State. So, uh, we're going to get into talking about that. We got a great show lined up for you. We uh, we call this uh, a, a roundtable show today because we got some special guests coming on, and it's going to be uh, folks who cover BMU, uh, BMU athletics and and have and, and have an interest in seeing FAMU be successful and do well. We've got uh, the MIAC and the FAMU Athletics Hall of Famer, former SID Alvin Hollins, is going to be joining us. We've also got another former SID and currently uh, part of the HBCUGameDay.com team, Mr. Vaughn Wilson. And then we've also got Keith Hadley joining us. Keith, of course, is the host of Fangs Up podcast and the FAMU Fifth Quarter. So uh, all those gentlemen, obviously, you know, cover FAMU, have covered FAMU, know about FAMU, know about this series, know about the OBC. So we're going to have a great discussion coming up at the bottom of the hour and uh, carried over a little bit into the top of hour two. Uh, we'll get into talking not only about the uh, start of the volleyball season here in just a moment. Uh, we've also got uh, some some uh, some pro notes to talk about here. As you can see, the one day that I get to actually wear blue and be any crap. <laughs> well, you know, first of all, what up, boy? Yeah. What up, boy? What up, boy? Hey, you know, I had to wear the shirt today, man, because, you know, this is the first week, you know, going into game week mm -hmm. that uh, Kobe is not here to aggravate the hell out of me about what's going on, what I see in camp. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, he's been calling me two, three times every day this week, you know, so uh, I had to represent for him. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, getting into this discussion, man, because uh, I know, Brian, we was at the Me at Swag Challenge last week, and we'll get into that shortly. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I think, Kofi, you know, I, I get harassed for wearing them non-orange and green. But, look, day final NFL cut rosters, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll uh, mention that while we're, while we're here. I'll go ahead and just kind of mention it while we – well, we got it. Uh, first off, we got to mention and give props to that guy right there, Marquise Bell, of course. Uh, much expected to make yeah. the 53-man uh, the roster with the Dallas Cowboys, which he did. Uh, and then we heard the news come out that, uh, unfortunately, Isaiah Land did not make the 53. But they, you know, there was all reports that the Colts or that the Cowboys were going to keep or they were hopefully – going to sign him to the practice squad if he uh, cleared waivers. But guess who came and swooped in? Da, da, da. That's right. The boys in blue. Mortis <laughs> Jude stepped up. Chris Ballard, the Colts organization, putting Isaiah on the 53, man. And I, I got, you know, what I love about it is I had actually hoped that the Colts would draft Isaiah because we got a great history and a, and a recognition of HBCU talent. You know, um, not only do we have uh, Robert Mathis, future Hall of Famer from Alabama A&M, became one of our great defensive ends, uh, along with uh, on the other side of 
uh, Dwight Freeney. And uh, currently, the team has Grover Stewart, who's one of the top defensive linemen. The Colts paid him nicely from Fort Valley State. And, of course, then they drafted in the second round Shaq Darius Leonard uh, from South Carolina State, a multi-year MEAC player of the year, a defensive player of the year. So the Colts recognize talent. And, you know, what's kind of interesting, Isaiah Land on one end, and the Colts drafted, I think, last year a young man from Michigan, Quiddy Pay, who's pretty good. And so hopefully we've got another um, – Freeney and Mathis combination on our ends, and that was successful for a decade. That just that that group, those guys just wreaked havoc on opponents for about a decade. So I would love to see Pay and Isaiah Land wrecking havoc in the NFL for the next ten years and bringing home at least at least one Super Bowl. Now that we got a quarterback uh, and all that stuff, so you know we'll figure out the running back situation. I'm sure for those who are going to throw that out. And then we found out that uh, Xavier Smith, who originally didn't make the 53 with the L.A. Rams, but he did make the practice squad. So congratulations mm-hmm. to uh, Xavier Smith. Yeah. And one other thing for the Colts, uh, yeah. Antoine Bethea, another HBCU product. Thank you. That's right. Howard, former Howard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was probably more, but that's the one that just came to mind. Yeah, no, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I I I knew the other ones, but yeah, I thought I forgot about Bethay. So the Colts have a good history, you know them, and I think there's a couple other teams. It's real interesting. There's a couple of teams in the NFL who have that recognition and knowledge of the HBCU market, and that there are diamonds in the rough out there to be snagged um, that a lot of people will regret passing on. The Steelers and the Cowboys come to Thank mind. You. Thank you. Yep. Yep, and ironically, indeed. FAMU has play, had people on all those teams. Yeah, see? Yeah, exactly. Yep, we sure have. All right, um, let's give a quick few right. shout-outs to some folks who uh, who have jumped in. Uh, Tremaine Ellis, uh, game week, first one, first one in the building. Good to see you. Uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, Bull letting us know he's got front-row seats next to the Marching 100. Um, so he's got some – some good seats right there. Uh, Kenneth Rozier, good to see you. Thanks for checking in. Uh, Tamara T, appreciate you always. Um, James Austin, already with the score predictions, huh? Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. We'll, we'll give score at the end of the show. We'll do uh, our old school pick five contest uh, between us. We'll look at some HBCU games that we'll pick, primarily mostly games from the SWAC or maybe the state of Florida or some interesting matchups. And then we'll do bold predictions at the end of the show, kind of some uh, bold predictions. Uh, Tremaine asking about the club suite this year. I hope, Tremaine, that you took advantage of, of the announcement that I sent out on Twitter that uh, our good friend Mike Reed let us know that there were some additional premium club level seats this uh, this time in section 250. Uh, $109, uh, $109. That section, it's limited. So you got to act quick. If you're still interested, there's the contact information. Hit up Mike Reed. 
Uh, use that code. Go to the website, justlookingout.com. Use the code BCSN or Strike Zone. Contact Mike. Let him know you're interested in tickets in Section 250, the section directly behind the Marching 100. Look at those beautiful visuals. That's club level. That's club life. Get out of the heat because we'll be in the 90s. But you'll be in the shade, though. That. You'll be in the shade, but it'll be 90 degrees. So I don't know, you know, a hot, a hot, shady 90. Uh, <laughs> and there's those uh there's those club level seats. Um while that's up, while that graphic is up, also want to remind you guys to go check out the 2023 FAMU football preview show. Part two is up. Part two is up um i saw a great note from one of our listeners see if i can find it i didn't check it yeah uh tamara said great preview show appreciate it guys putting in work three hours of work that's what you got so those of you who want to go check that out you can uh you can definitely go do that um still while there's an opportunity uh, if I can find the link here, where's the link information? Got to have all this stuff organized. There you go. Right there. YouTube.com slash online slash join. Make sure there's three tiers there that you can be a part of. Jericho Broadcast Networks, the parent company of the Black College Sports Network, which we are a part of. And uh, you get a first watch of our preview show. Two parts, broken up, broken up into two parts, but it's over three hours of content so not only are you supporting the show but you're supporting the black college sports network you're supporting black owned media you're supporting hbcu sports media we definitely appreciate your patronage all righty um let's see what do we uh where we want to go what do we want to what do you want what do you want to hit on first here kelvin anything let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump on this volleyball volleyball all right um of course, over the uh, over the weekend, the Lady Rattlers traveled to Birmingham uh, for the UAB Invitational. Uh, unfortunately, they came uh, came up short in all three matches, but the best match was the last one against the host UAB Blazers, a game in which uh, they would lose in five sets. The fifth set, they lost sixteen to fourteen. But they were up two to one, uh, you know, going into the fourth set. And I think they were up at least four points in the five. fifth set. Five points yep. in the fifth set. Ooh. And, and uh yeah, they could they couldn't couldn't close uh couldn't close out UAB. Um little controversial also, call there toward, towards the end. Go ahead, the, Kelvin. Yeah, also in the previous game. Uh, in the fourth set, they mm-hmm. they gave away you know uh, a set that they should have won a fourth set against uh, I think it was Buffalo. Yeah, we were up twenty one seventeen, and they Buffalo went on an eight zero run to take the fourth set and take the whole take the match. Yeah, the uh, the Buffalo game was uh, game number two. Uh, that went three to one. Mm-hmm. They actually won the second set. And then, like you said, that third set, they lost 25-23. And then the fourth set, uh, 
ended up losing 25 to 13. They started the season off with a win in the first set against Austin P. Won that contest 25 to 18 that game. And then they lost the next three to Austin P. Um, some individual notes that I came across here worth mentioning in the UAB match. Uh, Emerald Jacobs and Brooklyn Watts each put up double doubles in that loss. Uh, fam, you had three players in double figures with kills in that contest. Also had three players in double figures in digs. Uh, London Hatch playing in her first weekend series with the Lady Rattlers had a team high uh, ace. In that loss, uh, Brooklyn had a – I keep saying Brooklyn. I got to be – I got to catch myself. Brooke Lynn uh, had a team-high 17 kills. Her third straight match uh, leading the offense. So we can already see that uh, Brooke uh, Lynn is actually going to – is going to be one of those uh, – one of those players, one of those outstanding uh, hitters for the team. Uh, Brooke Hudson had a match high 25 digs in that third set. And how about London Hatch, who, you know, I think she's going to, she's already proving, I think she's going to be in the running for one of those top setters within the, within the conference. Uh, she had 32 assists against UAB. Uh, she had a match high 26 assists in the opening game of the season. Uh, any any other notes or um, any other things you want to add into that, guys? Quick comment from me. Um, I'm very encouraged. Generally, I'm not big on moral victories. Um, we, we knew with this team, this was a lot of, what, nine, ten new players on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost a lot of production. so And we played competitive games on the road. We only had two weeks to come together because they weren't here during the summer. All those things you know, being what they are. And then we have like the four main core people return. That's a lot to put together in two weeks time. And we really easily could have won two of the two out of the three. We were competitive, competitive in all three games. Um, you know, losing by two, two, we losing matches uh, by, by two points and so forth. So we're already in my mind playing at a pretty competitive level. And we are new as a team. This team will only get better. So I'm really encouraged, actually, after this result. Um, I guarantee you, we play these same three teams three weeks from now, we'll, we'll probably beat all of them. So loans, loans, you know, they keep working hard and, 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 and playing these matches and so forth. I really like uh, – I, I see us being the team to beat in the swag again if this is any, any indication. Yeah, the, these were relatively, uh, in terms of opponent level, all three of these teams came into the season in the top 175. Uh, when, when I went and looked at the uh, rankings, the, the uh, computer rankings, the ratings, rather. So this was pretty competitive. I, I in, in comparison to what I saw some other SWAT schools play, uh, and and lose two wasn't a great weekend for the for the SWAC overall. Uh, we probably played the toughest, you know, three teams uh, that were out there. So 
a good opportunity this weekend. A little, little later in the show, we'll talk about uh, where the ladies are going next weekend or this weekend, I should say. Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> before we uh, take a break and get to our guests, obviously the X-Wack Challenge took place in Atlanta, Georgia, hot Atlanta. Uh, the SWAC is now two, you know, two consecutive wins. And uh, Jackson State put a beating on South Carolina State, 37 to 7. Um, Kelvin, you were there. I was there. Give your initial thoughts on what you see. I'm, I'm still scratching my head. So the first thing that stood out to me, I'm going to go Jackson State first. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. They were fairly, you know, uh, they came together. They, they, I was, I was impressed. Right, you know, I'm not gonna make too much of more, more of it, but new team, new players, and so forth. They played well, um, so you know, they played well enough to let me know. And not that I didn't know this already. Uh, first, you would want to play them early um, because they only get better as the season progressed. But they played well enough. So, so I mean, we have to. Fam, you's gonna have to play the A game. You know, they got, they got talent. We knew that, and but you know that talent is coming together. They're a little ahead of schedule, in my opinion. Now, the big takeaway for me, honestly, is on the South Carolina State side. Um, they just yeah. not very talented. When, I mean, when you look at when you saw their DBs, right? Their DBs are slow. They don't tackle well. They don't have good hips. They don't, you know. They, if you watch most of the plays, you know, um, JSU quarterback threw for like three hundred and sixty something yards. But most of those balls were guys, you know, guys catching the balls in the flat, maybe five yards past line of scrimmage. And they were running free in, in, yeah. in, in that, uh, against that secondary. I mean, the talent level, and it was a surprise to me. It was two surprises with South Carolina State. Their talent level, or lack thereof, they're kind of undersized on both the offense and defensive line. And so they're undersized and they're, very, they're not very athletic. And then offensively, uh, I don't – they're trying to run a spread offense, and they don't have the personnel to do it. You know, South Carolina State is a tight end, two-back set, run, physical, play good defense, play good special teams, get turnovers. You know, that's kind of what they've been. And for whatever reason, they're trying to go to the spread offense. And they played right into Jackson State hands, right? They didn't have to worry about the quarterback beating them. And um, when they did run the ball, they had some – modest success but they you know they first five six plays you know were like pass plays so that allowed you know they were always behind the sticks they was always uh sucking the third and long which allowed jsu to play pressure and play man and they didn't care if they get beat because the quarterback wasn't gonna get it to them anyway so i just didn't like their game playing and their talent talent level one there so i'll be interested to see how they play you know against us and how, how our game plays out because one thing we know our talent level is there. <laughs> yeah, much different mm -hmm. than South Carolina State's. Marcus, uh, what do you want to add? I'll give you a chance to add here before we go. Yeah, right. yeah I watched the game on TV. And um, I guess my biggest surprise, well, I guess similar to Kelvin, my biggest surprise is how quickly Jackson State jailed as a team because they looked like it was a smooth operation. I didn't see much in the way of hiccups you would expect with that volume of turnover for a particular team. And on the St South Carolina State side, 
you know, we've grown accustomed to what type of team we've seen from South Carolina State. Physical, pound it down your throat, no nonsense, not trying to be fancy, just kind of like, I wouldn't quite say meat potatoes, but you would expect out of anything, the defensive line and the linebackers would be tight. The offense might be a little shaky, might be conservative, you know, run first, and Matt and I have the have the optimal quarterback, you know, maybe a game manager. And I'm speaking in generalities, not specifically to uh, to Corey. But I was surprised at how, I don't know, how pedestrian they looked uh-huh. as it relates to the defense and just the offense, especially with the sixth-year senior quarterback. I was like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? So that was those are the two biggest surprises to me. And this is not to diminish – Anything about Jackson State because they came out ready to play and they put it on them. They took, they took what was given to them and you know they took some of what wasn't given. They just snatched it. So all kudos to Jackson State. But I was just kind of surprised at the level of play or the the reduced level of play from South Carolina State based on what I've seen in the past historically. Yeah, the game plan was horrible. Uh, that's all I'll say. Game plan by South Carolina State was absolutely horrible. Um, you know that that's all you can really say. Yeah. And uh, they okay. had they had some motion. They had some motion. I think it was seven nothing, and they were running the ball, switching up between the two freshman running backs, and then they got a holding penalty that put them in a first yeah. and twenty five. And that, after that, 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 third drive that was. The, but the first two drives were like a waste. They they passed five of their first six plays. They went three and out and three and out. Five of the first six plays were passing plays. And it was like, what are y'all doing? And then, okay, then they decided to run. And guess what you had success doing? Run. And then they had the one penalty, which killed the whole drive. Penalties, you know. And after that, it was a wrap. After that, yeah, it was over. But so anyway. Okay, let's uh, let's get ready to take a break. Our roundtable's getting ready to come up. We've got uh, Keith Hadley, Vaughn Wilson, and we should have Alvin Hollins joining us. And uh, we're going to get into talking about a plethora of things from FAMU football to FAMU athletics in general. Uh, And so look forward to this great discussion. And we're ready for our roundtable. So you guys hang in there. And we will be right back after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. 
In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. For the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madnet Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Stride K-12 powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of being a leader in online education to work for you. Dive into curriculum design for the online classroom. Team up with state-certified teachers nice. trained in virtual instruction. Take control of your child's education journey. Discover the power of personalized learning with a leader experienced in preparing kids for a future they can be excited about. Take charge. Stride K-12. Enroll now for the fall. Welcome to the OMG Strike Zone. And as you see, Brian Marcus Kelvin, pleased to be joining us today. It's uh, Vaughn Wilson, HBCUGameDay.com, and Keith Hadley of Things Up Podcast and FQFMU. Uh, Keith, uh, Vaughn, how you guys doing tonight? Glad to be uh, <laughs> out of the storm. Fortunately, we didn't get much into it, but just... It's fortunate that I have power on and internet to be on this call tonight. <laughs> yeah, true indeed. True indeed. Keith, how you holding up? Doing great down here, man. No problems at all. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Keith, Keith you're kind of in the, we're in the same neck of the woods. So we, we were very fortunate from our perspective. And so uh, we're still looking for, so I'm sure we'll have uh, uh, Mr. Hollins joining us here uh, a little bit uh, later. Yep. If he got power, I don't know. Yeah. Well, he, well, I did. Stop. I did talk. I talked to him. Right. He told me he had power. Okay. The question is, you know, with, with how the internet's working. Obviously, that's always a right. always a thing. Uh, all right, so fellas, we as I you know sent the the notes. We got a just a smorgasbord of different topics 
to talk on, but I, but I figured we just you know we kind of ended the last segment talking about some observations from what we saw from the Miac Swag Challenge. Obviously, our uh, opening opponent is Jackson State, so let's kind of really let's just kind of start there and kind of put a close on what we saw. Uh, so I'll start with you, Vaughn. What what are some observations or some things that you saw uh, in that contest? Well, what I saw in the game, you know, watching it from start to finish was a uh, South Carolina State, uh, uh, Jackson State team determined to show that they don't miss Coach Prime, they don't miss Shadour, they don't miss Travis Hunter. They were there to prove a point, and that, that's what I saw from them. So it was high energy. Uh, they were flying around and, 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 and those types of things. Um, for South Carolina State, what I saw was – a team that definitely has not jailed yet. If they're going to jail, they didn't. They 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 hadn't jailed by uh, Saturday. I hate to say it, but Jackson State, uh, uh, South Carolina State's starting quarterback, has not shown that he can take that mantle of being there five years. That last quarterback that threw that dime for the touchdown. I think if you got a, if you got a pass, you go with him. But the real thing I saw was Buddy Pugh not playing Buddy Pugh football. Buddy yeah. Pugh. With Will Ford, he would have ran his number 22 and number 20. Jackson State never did stop them. So if I saw a weakness at Jackson State, it's the defensive line because South Carolina State's linemen, when they were giving the ball to 22, and and, and I looked it up, both of them are true freshmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that yep. number 22 was impressive. He's 6'1", uh, forgot his weight. But if you look at how he – if you look at it again, they really never did stop him. He was getting first downs, getting good yardage. And I, don't, I don't know why. Jackson State's offensive coordinator did not stick with that, and 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 because that's the only thing they were having success. They had zero success passing. That quarterback just was not accurate enough. The receivers were not open enough. Um, that should have been an old-fashioned Notre Dame four yards and a cloud of dust. And just looking ahead, that needs to be FAMU's first attack on Jackson State. Mm, amen. Amen. Uh, Keith, what are your observations? Yeah, that was an unmitigated disaster. I mean, any say it any other way, it would be nice. You're throwing freshmen out there that have literally been on campus for two weeks. I mean, respectfully, I know the punter. I, I, I taught him. He, uh, and that kid literally came out of Jones High School two weeks ago. And you threw him out there on the biggest stage in the nation, <laughs> unprepared. And, of course, the first time he's going to make a mistake because you set the kid up for failure. Uh, so then the quarterback couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, respectfully. Um, I mean, you don't have a big receiver to bail him out. As Vaughn and Brian, as you pointed out, when the run game was going it, for South Carolina State, was going until they got a penalty. So I agree with Vaughn. If I'm fam, you you got a what we call the tote game. I'm attacking that. I'm attacking it. But we also saw like deep offensively with the quarterback. You you may have to get out of that zone defense. And I know fam, you is stubbornly committed to the zone defense. I've definitely asked that question before. But we saw where literally Jackson State's quarterback, while he had all day to make sandwiches and do everything else in the pocket. If you give him time in the pocket, he's going to eat up his own defense. And unfortunately, that's our base defense. And they and Jackson State showed a 4-2-5, a 3-3-5 stack, which are both formations we run. So when you're thinking about what Moose is going to see in practice, he's actually going to see in game a lot of the same stuff he probably sees in practice too. Mm-hmm. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the interesting things that I noted – was when I went back and looked at the stats, the uh, Jackson State only threw about maybe four or five passes over 20 yards. 
everything. I mean, they 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 threw about fifteen to twenty, and I, I all I know is on the left side, a quarterback was eleven eleven. He was eleven of eleven throwing under ten yards to his left, and of course, what, I mean, was that number three? <laughs> that number three, they, that number three, they picked on him all game long. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Whoever it was, they threw over there all day under nine yards, under ten yards, and uh, they, they probably had a total of fifteen. So, uh, you know, yes, the quarterback had a had a like a three fifty or three sixty yards passing, but even that was sort of. Uh, I think that was even a little for Gazy. It was like, come on, what, what are you that, that? There was a lot of yards after catch. Put it like that. I mean, that's great for the backs. I mean, look, we feasted on yak yards. I mean, you know, rack yards, whatever. So um, that's well, so. Well, I, well, Brian, that has made some of the best quarterbacks uh, you ever want to see. If you look yes. at Joe Montana and 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 Young, their favorite pass was a five-yard crossing pattern to Jerry Rice, and he'd take it from there. They didn't have to throw it. And if you look at Tom Brady, he's a master at the eight, 10-yard pass. He, he he would always have receivers that could turn it into bigger than that. He would hit two or three, maybe a game, long passes. But his game was made dinking and dunking of uh, small passes. And that's how you that's how you actually open it up. So I, I, I'm not concerned about not seeing him throw and complete those long passes because – the greats actually complete a lot more shorter passes than the receivers make them make them into big plays. Good point. Good point. Um, I will add one other thing, and I, I wonder if you guys saw this as well. I was really impressed with Jackson State's hurry up offense. Uh, mm-hmm. Their tempo, they noted. You know, a lot of a lot of teams run tempo, and they run it, and they get to the line of scrimmage, and they do the and look over to the sideline. I didn't see Jackson State do that at all. They ran whatever play it was, they ran it. And with that said, it caught South Carolina State uh, not ready. Um, a lot of times they snapped the ball within the 30 to 25 second range on the play clock. So if they're going to run that kind of tempo, because, you know, I know I've seen us run tempo, but we do that check to the check to the sideline. But Jackson State, though, they, they ran it. I haven't seen a team run it like that in a long time, a college team. So that's that's I think that's one thing that had me shaking my head like, ooh, that that tells me they've been practicing. I mean, that, that's just great practice. I mean, the fact that you're able to execute or maybe they just recognized that South Carolina State's defense was weak and it was like, hey, it doesn't matter. We're just going to run the play and let's go. So – yeah, I, I don't know, you know. Um, all right, let's 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 move over to one of the first talking points that we that we wanted to hit on was uh, some fall camp notes and uh, maybe some some observations or some things out of fall camp that uh, you were impressed with, concerned with. Um, so I, I'll start with you, Keith, and then we'll just kind of go around the horn from there. I'm, I'm going to stick with special teams. I mean, I'm confident in our punter, but who's going to be a field goal kicker? Like, that's definitely a question. And I know going into the spring game, you know, I don't know, if, you know, you could coach him up a little bit out there, Vaughn. But, man, some of the field goal kicks were a little bit, uh, at me scratching my neck and, you know, seeing if Jose has some more time or something. Like, that's going to be probably the number one spot for me because 
honestly, while FAMU's running running back room is stacked, the receiver room, it's so spread out because you have to deal with the loss of a receiver who had over, what, almost really like 60% of the offense, something crazy like that. When you go back and look at Xavier's stats. And then, honestly, defensively, FAMU's got corners that are scary. And I, I know we love to run the zone, but, I man, I would love and pay good money to watch those dudes play some man-to-man with that size and that potential, that's a dangerous combination, especially with the linebackers and the defensive line that FAMU has. It, it's yeah. it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus, we'll just kind of go uh, around around the horn here. Marcus, what do you got? As far as camp notes, I guess I want to take a, a, a note from the Rattler Plus video that came out the other day. And I guess to Keith's point, uh, depth chart in the the game notes. I believe they have true freshman Michael Smith as the place kicker. But the one thing that that kind of flashed out on on that video when Jeremy Musa was talking to the team for that Rattler Plus video, he said, "I think our number one problem is discipline." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Wait a minute, we got a whole bunch of seniors and graduate people." And when he's giving the team talk, he said, "Our number one challenge is discipline." That's something that's got to be tight from starting yesterday until December, if we want to make it to December. As far as camp notes, I guess I'm pleased with with the things that I've been reading from the various reports, whether it's on here, whether Gerald's reporting as it relates to the offense and defense. Sounds I'm hoping that um, some of those interceptions that Gerald was talking about when he was tweeting out some practice notes, probably midway through, that those were more. Uh, excellent defense versus lack of accuracy or acumen on the part of our quarterback. But I also think that uh, the Tote gang is going to play a heavy role and probably a, a role that I was hoping that they would play last year in that we saw that, you know, having a significant run game in 2021 really boded well for Rashawn McKay. And I was hoping we would carry over last year and do the same, but we kind of went away from that for whatever reason, injuries and the like. But I'm thinking with the veteran experience we had, hopefully that's just an anomaly in terms of what Jeremy Musa was speaking around discipline. And we, we tighten it up and we have shown an increase, or I'm sorry, a decrease in penalties from 2021 to 2022. So hopefully that trend continues and we clean up things up that are pre-snap. Any, anybody have any, any, any thoughts that I, that, that speech that he gave was uh, probably what? How many days after the whole locker room thing, uh, the video thing? I I got you know, <laughs> I mean maybe. No, that was this week, or at least the video was released this week. I don't know I, when I'm it was saying, actually. Oh, that speech though, that speech sounded. Well, I'm just I'm just guessing. Maybe I, as I go back and think about what I saw, that that was probably a beginning of the season kind of speech. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But I'm just... yeah, I know the video today. I think it was dated August the fourth. For the one with Coach Simmons talking about the players remaining focused and things like that. Okay, so maybe it was early on in, in camp. So hopefully that that gets addressed. But that kind of perked my ears, given the level of experience and talent we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelvin, takeaways from fall camp. Well, this is the year for Coach Simmons and um and Coach Musa. I mean, uh, Musa. <laughs> he might as well you better be a coach on the field. Well, well, see, I, I, I kind of differ. I'm gonna, and you're going to hear me talk about this throughout the show. So um, I know what I'm going to get with the defense. I know what I'm going to get with uh, the skilled people on offense. 
I think I know what I'm going to get with offensive line. What keep playing back in my mind is South Carolina State game last year, Alabama State game last year, and the Gremlin game last year, uh, all on the road, if I'm not mistaken, and and how Musa played and how we actually play calling. Coach Simmons called those games. So I want to see growth um, from that, right? I don't want to put it on all on Musa. Yeah, he sits here. He got the same. All the coach speed. I, I know I know it. All right. But what I would like to see is that we don't try to make him a gunslinger, try not try to make him something he's not. We need that complimentary run game. We, need, we don't need to be behind the sticks on sucking it third down against Jackson State, this upcoming game, um, because they're going to bring pressure. And and I'm not sure what I'm going to get with uh, Musa. Some. You know, I need his percent, his completion percentage above 60%. So, though, you know, for me, that's that's question number one uh, thing that still got stood out. You mentioned, you know, in some of the scrimmages and so forth, what they were tweeting. And then just the development of the other quarterbacks. I think we have five legitimate D1 quarterbacks on our on our team, um, some with different skill sets than others. And I, I honestly, I'm just be honest. If you look at NFL and the way the NFL is going, I don't know if I'm buying into a coach, uh, but you know he see those players everything he every day. He knows he knows uh, their skill sets, who knows the playbook and everything. So you know, I, I just hope that you know I see that on the field Sunday because I I, I like to do a threat to be to be frank. You know, if if, if somebody miss a block and and you know you got an athletic DN or a blitzing linebacker. Coming in, I like somebody who can make somebody miss. And, and if they get in open field, they become like a running back or receiver, and they can go the distance. And we just don't have that. And I've seen some of our opponents, including this week's opponent, some of their players or, or coaches or other shows kind of speak to that point. So um, um, I really hope that we do right by Moose in the terms of not trying to make him win the game for us. Because I, I don't think that would be fair. Vaughn, what are what are your takes from fall camp? Well, from fall camp, I have seen Mike Smith, the highly acclaimed, uh, I think he's a four or five star kicker out of McClay, uh, in camp. It, uh, short and mid range, he's deadly. He does not have the big leg. And what what I've seen is we have another kicker who has a big leg, and they put him in there in those situation, and he kicks off. So. Um, I am less concerned um, about the kicking game. Of course, it's going to be a loss anytime trying to replace somebody like All-American, like Jose Romo Martinez. There, Yeah, there's going to be some drop-off, especially when you're replacing him with a freshman. But Mike Smith is everything they say he is. He's he's, he's very accurate from close uh, to middle range. And then we have the other kicker. I can't remember his name from long range. The punter is uh, out of sight. I'm looking forward to him. You know, I get excited about that. Um, and the other thing that I'll take away is I've seen a gradual and important progression of Junior Muratovic at the second string quarterback. And that in that scrim, in that uh, uh, they had two scrimmages. In that second scrimmage, he was moving that offense, and he is mobile. As to Kelvin's point, he's very mobile. Um, he was actually more mobile in high school. Uh, he kind of froze as a freshman at FAMU, but I think he's gotten his swag back because there were some times where he tucked it in that scrimmage, and I was like, yeah, I'd like to see that from Junior. So that 
we hope that develops and, and that has to develop. I'm very impressed with the offensive line, not only just the starters, but the depth in the offensive line. Um, if we get into a game where we are trying to, um, you know, win the game by running the ball, being able to shift in uh, fresh linemen will be a, a big key. And we do have that inventory uh, to do that at defensive line as well. I think the, the most underrated person on probably FAMU's football team is General Hunt. He worked out like a dog this summer. He was lifting the whole weight room and he didn't want to hear anything about Kamari leaving. He didn't. He, he has himself to prove what he can do. And I think we're going to see some of that Sunday. Mm. Nice. Nice. Um, let's let's trans transition a little over to the, the head ball coach, uh, Coach Simmons, entering into this is his sixth season, uh, obviously um, having uh, four under his belt. Uh, the fifth year, obviously, was the COVID year that we didn't play. Uh, has a record of 33 and 12 at FAMU, has nine wins, has, has coached three consecutive nine-win teams. Uh, one of the things that we pointed out, you know, FAMU has won nine in a row, which is, which is odd. You know, I think when you, when you win nine in a row, two can two years, and then the other year you run, win eight, that that's pretty impressive. Um, what, so I, I guess the question is, as we look at the, as coach Simmons, we look at coach Simmons and, and what he's done and what he's built, what's your, what's your thoughts, uh, on, on what he's uh, on where he's at in terms as a coach um, uh, areas that you feel like could be improved and, you know, feel free to, if you want to project some thoughts on the future, uh, go ahead and do that. <laughs> so we'll start over there with you, Vaughn. Um, for coach Simmons, it's just amazing that uh, many schools would love to have the record have a coach with the record that he has, but this is FAMU and expectations are just not the same. Uh, he's, he's got a wonderful record at FAMU. Um, one thing about Willie Simmons teams, he coaches like a lot of the coaches in FBS do. Um, they want the team to be playing the best at the end of the year. Unfortunately for FAMU, the last two years, they've been playing the, the SWAC East championship game basically at the beginning of the year. So that doesn't bode well for his style of coaching. So we're hoping that he has adjusted that to make sure that they can get off to a faster start. But let me tell you that, that, that family team at the end of last year was ready to face anybody. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I got a little hot water about writing my article that family and Jackson shouldn't play in the orange blossom classic. But my statement was that statement was, directly at the fact that Willie Simmons' team progresses through the year. It's kind of like Jamie Shoup. Don't judge Jamie Shoup's baseball team by the first half of the season. Yep. Or non-conference games. <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge them. Because by the end of the season, they're going to be playing the best that they can play. And we've seen it over and over from his teams. That's just how Jamie Shoup's coach, Jamie Shoup yep. coaches. And that is characteristic of a Simmons coach team. Unfortunately, he's going to have to adjust that uh, in three, four days uh, to make sure that his team gets a fast start and plays well throughout the season. 
Yeah, I like that. That's a key point there about getting off to a fast start there. Keith, uh, what's your take there? I think Coach Simmons, uh, man, I think it's been a godsend if you consider what he came in against. I mean, consider like, yeah, I don't even want to say the man's name, so I so I don't say anything ugly. But I mean, that previous regime was just it was chitlin juice, man. It was trash. <laughs> and so you come in and you see how quickly he flips that to where he's never had a losing season. He's uh, either fourth or fifth place all time in FAMU history. You consider like some of those names, like you're talking to Jake Gaither, Rudy Hubbard, who has a national championship, and Billy Joe, who, you know, really should have a national championship. But, you know, we're going to leave that alone. Um, I think it's it's amazing. And then you consider the fact that he's done so in spite of early on facilities being trash, honestly. I mean, the, the, the field house is still not where it could be, but it's a whole lot better than it used to be. And the stadium is practically brand new. So you consider what Willie Simmons has done in that time, considering sanctions and whatnot, and all the things he's had to battle. It's it's a success, and he's definitely going to garner the garner the attention of larger institutions who don't have some of these problems, don't have some of these restrictions, and have you know don't have to deal with outside forces that want to keep the enrollment low and other things that affect your funding. Mm. Well said, well said, Marcus. Uh, what are you? What's your take? Uh, for Coach Simmons, um, I agree with with the sentiments in that. I mean, he's done a lot with a little in a comparative sense. And I know we've mentioned, and even he's mentioned in some articles, that we are qualified or, or quantified as a under resourced institution. And to see him come in after the previous regime with basically the same players, he didn't do, and he, he didn't have the NCAA legislation at the time to do compete complete overhaul like we could have done in 2023 but to go six and five his first year with a couple of games we probably should have won so he could have had very close to four consecutive nine win seasons if you look at 2018 and some of the ones that we lost including the team that we're playing against this weekend where we didn't necessarily execute on a last minute field goal and then the Howard game where we probably should have won and we were basically vying for a MEAC title and didn't seal the deal. And then at least one other game we could have won, maybe the Florida Classic. I think that's the one where we had two interceptions by Ryan Stanley that were uncharacteristic. So you could have looked at it, looked at four consecutive nine win seasons. And the type of he's built a program. And you look at all the accolades coming out as it relates to the team, but also how he operates, his philosophy, uh, the good feelings that he has built up within the program and some people supporting the program and that he has a lot of advocates outside of the FAMU circle who are seemingly willing to promote him. I, a couple of years ago, I think uh, when, um, gosh, I can't remember the, the lady's name, but she's a, a national reporter for college football and also for NBA and WNBA. She came and spoke at the Tallahassee QB club and said, Willie's a star. I, can't, I don't remember her name, but you you'll recognize her name if I if I get what comes back to me. And so he's got a lot of accolades of, and also a lot of seeming supporters outside who would support him going forward. And we're very we're blessed to have him. And I'm, I hope he continues on. But I would not be surprised. And in fact, when he hired on with the success that was thought to have happened by his hire, you know, I'm a little surprised that he's still here just from that. If he met the goals and expectations that were set out when he was hired. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, interesting. Go ahead, Kelvin. Thoughts? Um, coach is a winner. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, he's 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 won a lot. He's just not a champion yet. That's what's missing off his resume. Mm -hmm. Some things I some things I point to is you look at uh, his staff. When his staff leave, they get hired up. I mean, you got people in the NFL. You got people at a uh, group of five and so forth. You know, so you know he's good at identifying talent as far as coaches. Number one, um, I keep mentioning about uh, facilities. What I would say is. He's also been he's won, and some of the benefits of his win is because the university has invested more into the uh football program. He has more staff than any other staff ever had. You know, he's got a football operations person and and uh, a couple other positions that are funded, right? So so the university has he he has some things and the universe has put money into that. So of course that that helps a lot. I, that's why we always say do more and more. But the university, in that sense, has stepped up and and did did those things. Um. So he 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 hires good. And then we have NFL on NFL. So so with those NFL players on the NFL rosters, um, that means I believe that. Coach is uh, doing a good job of uh, the, the coaches he has, and, and I think somebody under underrated on this particular staff is uh is Smith and Rock because uh, that defense has been lights out for the last two or three years, and that talent level on that defense has been lights out the last two or three years. We've schemed in such a way that that we allow our best players to be able to play fast and at at, at, at a uh, elite level. And that shows with us, you know, getting the looks in the league. So, um, but, but coach is a winner. I just need coach to beat Jackson State and get us a celebration bowl win. And then I'm good. <laughs> for for and, this and, year. <laughs> and I will, I, I will, I will, I will make a, a uh, sort of a asterisk to something you said about him not being a championship coach. Yes, he is. 2019, Black College Sports Network recognized FAMU as a the Black College National Champions. They had the best record in football, and they took it. They took themselves, FAMU, not the NCAA or anyone else. Well, they should have been MIAC champs that year. Uh, so you know he he is a champion, and uh, the school recognizes on, on, 2019 on, 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 on the field. Though I I want I want to okay, get to that okay. celebration ball well, and leave on the field. what we say leave no doubt. Leave no doubt. Exactly. <laughs> Doesn't he have a uh, ring as an assistant though? I thought he got one in Alcorn. Uh, I, yeah, I I'm talking about that head coach. I'm talking about FAMU. <laughs> Alcorn is Alcorn. I'm talking about FAMU. <laughs> um, I'm I'm curious. I'm surprised, but maybe I'm not that that none of you mentioned the those three dastardly letters APR and and that whole thing. But you know, I will we'll kind of move that to the side then, and, mm. and hopefully that with uh, the guys who are graduating. We've seen good graduation numbers over this past year, and hopefully that will improve our APR status. And so that doesn't become uh, an issue that rears its head once the NCAA decides to start uh, holding people accountable again. Brian, uh, Brian I can say this. Um, at, the, uh, at the booster luncheon, um, Coach Simmons mentioned that there are 22 players on the team that already have their degrees. 
Um, nice. That is probably, that's, I guess, got to be a record at FAMU. I haven't, haven't known FAMU to have that many players on a team with their degrees. And it, you can blame the coach for the APR, but I, I always look at the system uh-huh. uh, when the situation there, because well, you, you didn't hire him to, uh, to get them degrees, although he has oversee it. But just like the university did after the embarrassment, after we all jumped on the university and said, we're tired of you all doing this, you can't let each athletic director, when you switch them out every three months sometimes, you can't let them decide how to handle APR. You as a university have to do what you did last year, should have been done 15 years ago, where the university took responsibility, said, we're going to take this out of the hands of athletics. We're going to hire a certain number of staff qualified staff, qualified, um, knowledgeable people of compliance, knowledgeable people of academics for the progress toward graduation. And I do tell you this, the NCAA does not like to punish teams for that. They will, but they don't like to do it. This is an advantage of probably having Tiffany Dawn Sykes as our athletic director, because she has a reputation for excellence and compliance she can make the argument to give give me time it has happened before famua cannot remember who it was but um we were given time where we certainly should have had sanctions um i really think that having tiffany dawn sykes as our athletic director is going to be an advantage for us when that comes to bear very true i agree because she's actually stated that if they don't clean up some of that, she's going to be removing scholarships from those schools and not maybe so much the scholarships, but their ability to recruit those at-risk players. Because if you don't remember, the NCAA players come in on a sliding scale. So the sliding scale is based on your GPA as well as your test scores. And sometimes the students can have a certain, it's a low GPA to get in that doesn't meet the admissions requirements. And she's pretty much stated that FAMU is going to be a lot more on the Stanford side of things opposed to being on the Florida State side of things. Well said. All right, fellas, let's do this. Let's take our first break. Uh, give everybody a chance to do a quick bathroom break, get some water, whatever you need to do, uh, and come back. On the other side, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how this team we, – we, we sort of talked on a little bit. We're going to talk about getting over the Jackson State hump and then our sort of season predictions – uh, keys for this team to win a championship and then maybe get into a few other non-football topics here. So you guys uh, watching in the chat rooms, we appreciate you. Make sure to hit the thumbs up or the like button wherever and however you're watching us and hang in there. We will be right back after this break. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. 
standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers voice, Kevers voice, Kevers voice dot com. Always on, all the time. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dash as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. At Hampton Law, our primary goal is to provide non-traditional yet effective solutions and redefine the approach to client legal concerns. As your trusted legal advisor, we believe in sophisticated, personalized services that eliminate the confusion and complexity sometimes associated with legal matters. Our high standard for client care and concern, coupled with our extensive legal knowledge and skills, make Hampton Law a resource focused on the protection of the client's interest and overall goals. We value our clients and truly enjoy working with them. Visit THamptonLaw.com to conveniently schedule an appointment online. Tamika Hampton, Esquire. 1631 Rock Springs Road, Suite 336, Apopka, Florida, 407-494-1471, thamptonlaw.com. Majesty is a premium health and wellness tea line focused on bringing delicious yet healthy tea blends to the community. Filled with an abundance of vitamins and antioxidants, we work to blend teas with exotic spices and fruits to produce scrumptious and wholesome beverages. So check us out at MyMajesties.com. That's M-Y-M-A-J-E-S-T-E-A-S.com. My Majesties, an Urban Passport member. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. It's our roundtable discussion. Brian, Marcus, Kelvin, joined by Vaughn Wilson, Keith Hadley. Uh, before we get back in, I just want to remind everybody who's joining us, coming in, uh, hey, take advantage of this great offer to get premium club-level tickets now directly behind the Marching 100 in Section 250. Only $109, better than any deal on the marketplace right now. Go look for yourself, and after you look, then go to justlookingout.com, use the code BCSN or Strike Zone, and that will, uh, to you know, a little portion, a donation will come back to the show. Uh, if you've never sat in club life, uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty pretty nice. Um, you get a you get a shaded view, but you get inside sitting you know, inside, you know, the drinks and everything is all there. And, you know, you can hang out with rattlers like these folks hanging out 
and uh, right behind the marching 100. So uh, don't miss out on the opportunity. We appreciate Mike Reed for making it possible for for us. All right, uh, fellas. Jackson State. Um, we talked about it um, a little bit, and uh, obviously, we know what the noise is like out there. Um, you know, we haven't beaten them, and I, all I know is it's, it's been four. We're on a four-game losing streak. I had somebody say it's been a decade. I don't know how long it's been. Twenty how, years. Twenty. 20 years. We've only played them. We've not played them, but but five times in those 20 yeah. years. Yeah. So last time we yeah. beat them was in 2003, which is when I graduated you know, they, high school. They, they don't care about that. All, <laughs> all they can, it's all they care about is, oh, it's been 20 years since y'all beat us. No, 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 no care hey, to the fact. Hey, Brian, Brian, I'm going to jump in real quick on this one because I didn't say nothing on social media, but I did see some of those posts and so forth. And um, at the end of the day, L is L. But let's, I, I do want to go over those losses because not all losses are equal. All right, so the first loss came when um, Earl Holmes was the coach on a Hail Mary last play of the game, in which we had the game won, and they called an extra penalty and made us play an extra play, and they called a Hail Mary, and that's how they won that game. Then, of course, the 2019 game where we had a game won again, and then all we had to do was down the ball, kick field goal, I don't know why we tried to score a touchdown, but that was a decision that was made and got tackled in bounce and, and and we still could have went up to the line and spiked the ball. We did and and um time ran out on us. And, and Kevin, let me jump in on that one. Even the play before, and I was listening to it on the radio. I think it was either Xavier Smith or Chad caught the ball and was down the sideline. The referee called him out at like the two yard line. Right. And I was right. like, Are you freaking joking me? He looked like he got right. in the end zone, right. and and I was like, "Are you joking?" Right. And I was like, "Well, I wasn't happy." So right. that, and then you know, the next play we ran it, and you know, some miscommunication and misunderstanding. So even then, I mean, we had a significant chance, and maybe even had, you know, uh, something uh, not go the way that we probably should have. But I'm sorry, right. go ahead. Right. Well, no, just the seventy-six game. Of course, then last year was last year. But at the end of the day, we played five times in since um, 2000. We're one in four, but we're on four in the last four. But we found ways to give those games. But it's not been like a dominant. So, hell, three of those games, they should have never won in the first damn place. So, so, but we got opportunity. That's in the past. That ain't got nothing to do with this game Sunday. So, we can write a lot of wrongs like we did with BCU after that nine-game uh, situation. And hopefully that's what we'll do. Um, and you know, I'm a, I'm a stat nerd. So, um, you know, one of the, this is one of the, the few teams in the SWAC that we do not have a winning record against historically. So, you know, that, that's, that's part of also what they feast on. They, the, that's what the feast on. So, um, okay. So how is fam you going to win this game we talked on it touched on it a little bit let's just kind of maybe give a a thought and, and maybe even a, a if you want to go so far as a a bold prediction because i don't think anybody here thinks we're going to lose this game so i'm not going to ask you who you think will win or lose but maybe say what is a bold prediction 
for this contest. And, and really, Kelvin and, and Marcus, I'm going to have you guys hold your bold prediction. You can give your analysis, but hold your bold prediction. Uh, Keith and Vaughn, if you want to give a, a bold prediction. So we'll, we'll start with uh, Keith and then go to you, Vaughn. What do you got, Keith? What's your, what's your thoughts on, on how is FAMU going to get over the hump and defeat Jackson State this weekend? I, I like how Brian Brian knows what I'm gonna say. Uh, my, my bold prediction is FAMU by 20. I'm I'm not backing <laughs> off that just because of that South Carolina State game. Um, but I really do think that FAMU is a better team. Uh, one, our offensive line's better, our defensive line's better, the whole team's better. If you ask me, if I were to like go like be nitpicky, but I really think that FAMU is gonna be able to take advantage because we're gonna show them an actual team and a team who has. I almost cursed, but a team who, who has a clue. Like last week, that South Carolina State, that was – Buddy Pugh pretty much shot two middle fingers at y'all and said, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the check, bro, but I'm gone. <laughs> and Willie's not going to do that. I think he's going to give us a look, something that we can talk about other than that stuff we saw last week. So, yeah. By 20, huh? Wow. All right, all right. No, no, okay. Vaughn, thoughts? Keith, Keith, Keith and my predictions are very close. I said three touchdowns, so I'm gonna go with 21. But I don't think Jackson State's gonna score more than at the most 17 points because that quarterback is not gonna be able to sit back in there like he did against South Carolina State. Anthony Dunn is coming off that end, and boy, is he coming. And Isaiah Major, that last scrimmage, sideline to sideline, that boy can move. That boy can move, but you're not going to have anywhere to run if those defensive linemen that we have seen um, charge, he's not going to be able to sit in the pocket and uh, play backgammon and then decide where he wants to throw the ball like he did last week. Um, Kelvin, uh, your 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 thoughts, your, your take, how does you get over the hump? Well, first of all, it's, you know, the, the guy that's spoken to what I, I feel – is the strength of our team, especially early. Our defense is tough. So as long as we don't do anything to give Jackson State points, if, if you go back and look at last year's games, we had a fumble for a touchdown, I believe. We had a pick six for a touchdown. I think we had a punt or something for a touchdown. We had another turnover. So if we don't make those mistakes, then I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with the guys, you know, just – if we just play a clean game, we win by two or three touchdowns. Man, if our offense really clicked, man, you know, we 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 could be maybe not this game, but moving forward. I'm saying if Musa has grown, if coach if we have a running game, if coaches where I where we think he he uh is with his play calling with this particular squad, this is a team that, that's capable of pulling up Billy Joe Demers. And so that's what I'm kind of looking forward to seeing. But uh you know, I, I won't give my prediction, but that's what I'm looking at. How, the offense not turning the ball over. We win in special teams, and our defense being being able to play. And I agree with Keith. Something Keith said earlier um, about that zone defense. There's, we got great athletes. We're gonna be the best team on the field, so we can't be scared to challenge ourselves with some Marcus. man. Now, I'm not going to roll with the 20-point victory, but I think the keys to it will be a reestablished run game and also take note that um, the NCAA rules change that happened this year, and Coach Simmons spoke to it in either one of the press conferences this week, that the clock will not stop 
uh, when the first downs are made, with the exception of the first two minutes, going last two minutes going into the half and going to the end of the game. So with the strength of our defense, we'll have to use that strength to make sure we can get to the quarterback, but also make sure they can't get in their hurry up. And on our side of the ball, with the depth that we had on defense, you know, we can rotate people in and out hopefully soon enough such that if they do get on a roll, we can have fresh people in. But on the flip side, on the offense, having the strong running game, we don't know to what degree of depth they have, especially on the defensive line. And we saw that South Carolina State in a kind of a, a very short-lived time frame was able to pound the ball and get some success in the running game. And if we lean on that and we're just pounding it, and if they don't have the same level of depth on the defensive line, our run game is going to go from, you know, three, four yards a pop to maybe five, 10 yards a pop when they start to get tired. And no, there's no break when they get a first down. So they're going to have the same guys out there. And if we play hurry up on the run game and we see them getting fatigued, I think that'll bode well in the third and fourth quarters for us. So I see us having a, a more balanced offense, perhaps like how we had in 2021, where statistically, you know, we basically had the same number of passing and run plays and we keep the ball away from them, make sure we have key plays on defense, keep them from getting in the hurry up and just pound the rock and have timely, even if it's a game management type of game, even if it's just for this one, despite Musa being a, a six-year senior, if we manage it and take what the defense gives us and just pound it and, and start to fatigue them, especially in, in Miami, I think that'll be the key to the game. Um, you, you know, I can hear Kofi screaming at me as I'm thinking this. What you nervous for? What you nervous for? I, I can hear him screaming at me. What you nervous for? I, because I'm not gonna lie, I'm nervous. I I watched. I I left out of that stadium in Center Park. Yes, I know South Carolina State was bad, but I left with more respect for Jackson State than what I thought I would have, and it made me nervous because. I'm worried about how we started games every year last year. It was slow. We, I want us to get out yeah. to uh, score some points. I, I don't care if it's 10 to 7 in the first quarter and we're up only by three. At least we scored 10 points in the quarter. I mean, I, I want us to be able to show some offensive proficiency on our first offensive drive. Those are the little things I think that we have to be able to show. You know, I, I think we'll run the ball well. Uh, and I, I think I didn't see a lot of man coverage by Jackson State DBs. Now, I, that's not saying that maybe they didn't have to. But I'd, I'll be interested to see if we see as much man from their DBs. There's no Travis Hunter. There's no um, uh, well, Shy, there's no Shiloh. Or, or who was the other DB, um, uh, the one who went to the Bolden? NFL? Um, Isaiah Bolden. Uh, Aubrey Miller. Uh, uh, well, no, I was thinking about the DBs. And the reason they played so much man last year is because they had guys that they, you know, NFL caliber talent that played a lot of man, I thought. I don't, I don't think that's over there this year. So I think that gives us and, and our speed receivers, uh, Marcus Riley, Jamari Sharid, uh, heck, when we see Gassett get in there, I mean, guys that can really get off and separate from off the line of scrimmage, I, I think that's going to be an advantage for us. Um, but I, I'll feel better 
it with the lead in the first quarter. I don't care if it's 7-0, 10-0. I'll feel really I'll I'll feel good, but we got to run the ball. Um the, the play calling has to be there. We got we have too much talent to to be vanilla and to be one dimensional, but we we really um we don't have to be fancy. I, I always say when you start seeing teams run trick plays, that's a that's a problem. So I, I, I don't think we, we need to run. We don't I don't want to see any flea flickers, double reverses. Ah, the hell with all that. I don't I don't want to see none of that in the first half. If I see that in the first half, Kelvin, you move move away from me because I'm gonna be fussing. I'm gonna be hitting you on the side. Like Kelvin, what the what is this? What the hell? Hey, we're gonna hey, we're gonna be hitting each other if we see that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But can the receivers get off the line? Remember, the big question. Remember last year, those receivers couldn't get off the ball. Like that was half the problem. When you look at it, go back and look at the offensive game, it was just apparent our receivers couldn't get off the jam. It's like, what the heck? We're in college. We can't get off a jam. Well, hey, um, that you know, uh, we 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 got coach Coach AC. That's 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 part of his job, right? Coach AC. We we got a great coach uh, coaching the wide receivers up. So let's hope that that pays that pays off for us. Um, let, let's talk about season predictions. Um, we know what the expectation and the standard is. What's your season prediction, Keith, for, for this team? What What's going to be the keys to them winning a championship? The keys to winning a championship are being able to be balanced. I mean, Marcus pointed out, family's running game hadn't been the same since Bishop Bonnet left, but you got a guy back there named Kelvin Dean. And if, if Dean is what we think he can be, plus you remember first time we met Brian, Willoit was a name that we kept saying, and I was like, "Who's that guy?" Yeah. If those those two guys have that potential, add that Bishop Bonnet seasoning to make this thing work. I'm trying to find a loss in the season. Uh, when I look at it on paper, I don't see one, but the, my heart of heart says two losses somewhere. Um, obviously, USF. I struggle to find the second one, but if we can remain focused all the way through, there's no reason this team can't have a perfect season. Uh, so I'll add this in there. So I'll ask you, and then and then come, and then the rest of you guys added. Who who's the who's the toughest road opponent? Where's because there's some tough road games. Who's the toughest road opponent yeah. that we have? Place we have yeah. to go. I, I want to say Southern, but I don't trust Dooley anymore. So I'm probably gonna say Texas Southern because Andrew Body, mm-hmm. and that's gonna be an atmosphere. Like you got to think, it's gonna be. It might be 60 40 fam, you fans there. And if the 100 travels, like, you know, we kind of owe them a travel to Texas anyway, it could kind of switch it over. But that could be a raucous atmosphere. So I'm going to say Texas Southern, even though I'm always going to think A.W. Mumford because I've been there. Them folks can be nasty. (laughs) Okay, uh, Vaughn, coming to you. Season prediction, keys to championship, toughest road, toughest road uh, uh, spot for for the Rattlers this year. Is Keith looking at my notes? I mean, great really, minds like great minds. That's what they say, right? With what we're expecting, if this team plays to their potential, the, the the South Florida game should be the only question mark on the schedule. They can't let up any week and think somebody's going to give them the game. But um, it's it's got to start with a solid performance in the Orange Blossom Classic. And I'm kind of disappointed because this storm came through. It's only going to be like 89 degrees. Uh, game time. I've been watching the weather. I was like, no, it needs they, Jackson State needs to get that heat that we had last year <laughs> right. on the hot side of the stadium. We 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 won't get as much of an advantage for them being on the hot side of the stadium 
uh, but that was brutal last year. Down on that field, man, I I I, I could understand why the March 100 had to take those uniforms off, and you know, because yeah. I was there the day before when Bethune Cookman played Miami, and several of the band members from Bethune ended up going to to the hospital. So I just want to let our fans know if we are if, if you're there in, in that stadium and you happen to have tickets on the other side, just be be conscious of that. But um, yeah, for the season, this team from from what I've seen from the parts that are in place, if if they don't win a celebration bowl, bowl it's going to be a disappointing season with everything that's been put into them, upgrading the facilities, just like uh, 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 Keith said upgrading the staff to large staff, like Kelvin said, and 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 all of those types of things, you can only build to a certain point, and then you need to see some success. And I think we are at that point, and it's going to be on Coach Willie Simmons and that staff, you know, to produce a, 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 a championship team. So, so even a SWAC title is not enough? No. Oh, okay. All right. Well said. No, not 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 at all. I know the commissioner puts, you know, uh, his response to the MIAC dominating the SWAC is, oh, our conference championship game. I get that. But that's that's a playoff game in the whole championship series. You got to bring that celebration bowl home. Yeah. Um, How about how about toughest road spot for FAMU? Southern, okay, you go Southern. When I, <laughs> Southern is tough to play for several reasons. It's a hostile environment. When I went to my my senior year as a player, we went and beat the brakes off of them for their homecoming, and it was we needed armed security to get us out of there. It was bad. I mean, Southern is 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 a rowdy place. So, A. W. Mumford is not the place to play around. It's going to be tough, and and. You know, I, I know Dooley's made some mistakes, but it's just something about when FAMU and Southern play, it's always going to be a battle. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, Marcus, uh, what's that? What's the season prediction? Keys to keys to winning that championship. Uh, I don't know. I guess we might have spoiled it a little bit, you know, with part two of our of our series. That's uh, yeah, people, our yeah. season prediction. And I'm trying to uh, hopefully I'm consistent, but I'm going to say the Southern game is going to be the toughest one. I thought it was a road game. And my season prediction is 10 and one with an asterisk by USF. If we can, with all the talent and transfers and expertise and uh, experience we have with 22 graduates on the team, a lot of COVID seniors and COVID super seniors, you know, that USF game is kind of, to me, in my mind, I haven't seen what their team looks like, but kind of a pick them as well. So I'm going at least 10 and one on the regular season. What what does Coach Simmons call that? Uh, those FBS games or what is that? Get get your get money games. Get money games. Yeah. Hey, this this is the year with all those graduates that we have. Yeah, it's a lot of guys that are first year head coach at USF, returning Uh um their cornerback from Jones High School, returning back from injury. Like USF, I mean, they can be beat and. This again, family plays what four, five year, five first year head coaches this year. The majority of this schedule is first and second year head coaches. It's a good point. Good point. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, Kelvin, what what do we got here? What's a what's your uh, prediction? Keys to a championship? 
toughest, toughest road spot. If I recall your road spot, it's going to be completely different than what everybody else said. Mm-hmm. Correct. So the first thing that for me that's going to be really important is that, you know, I said, you know, in our predictions, I mean, yeah, in our in our you know, season projection show that um, I think we're going to find a way to lose a game we shouldn't lose. We tend to do that anyway. And we have several road games that are going to be challenging. Southern's going to be challenging. Alabama and is going to be challenging. Uh, Texas Southern is going to be challenging. So um, I'm predicting that though, if we going to fall, that those, the, one of those three games will probably be the game we'll fall at. And, and I, I predicted that Alabama and m is the tougher game uh, for us. I agree with everybody. Southern traditionally is the toughest game. They're going to have a better crowd. They're hostile. They're a really good team. My only reason I'm I'm not picking Southern and I'm putting, picking Alabama A&M as the toughest road, road game this year is because Southern has a series of road games against Jackson State, Texas Southern, and Al, Alcorn. And, and I think the only – and all of them at home except the Alcorn game. So we kind of in the middle of that whole run that they have. So um, – but but that, last time you remember we went to Alabama A&M. Uh, we were down 20 points, uh, 17, 19 points, somewhere around there at, at late in the third quarter. So, uh, and you know, I think Maynard has one of those sneaky teams. He had a disappointing year last year, but he brought in like 40 transfers or so. So I think, you know, his team probably going to have the most upside because he's still there. He didn't have a whole lot of turnover uh, this year. So, so hopefully, if he can get his quarterback situation straight and they get off to a good start, I think that's going to be our most dangerous team. Um, in terms of uh, predictions, I, I agree. I've said that our ceiling is 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 eleven and old. We, if everything clicks, um, but until I see it, until I see our running game, until I see how we play call, until I see that growth in the in the quarterback play, um, I'm I'm, I'm predicting um, Swaggy's champ. Host the sell host the sweat championship game and um make it to the uh celebration bowl and win. But I'm I'm looking, I'm I'm predicting two 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 losses right now. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um let me uh let, let's shift to some of the talent. Obviously, we've seen right now the NFL, we've got three NFL guys. Uh Isaiah Land, you know, shout out, shout out to my my Colts, uh, uh, Marquise Bell with the Cowboys, Xavier Smith uh, with the um, with the Rams. Uh, Rams. Professionally, uh, you've got with the Rams, yeah. Um, Calvin Ashley, I believe, is with the um, uh, New Jersey Generals. Generals, uh, Generals yeah. yeah. Savion Williams is out with the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Maulers. So there's like five. I, I think that may be it in terms of professional football uh, for for. Spadey. Uh okay, that's right. Yeah, Spady I forgot about Spady. With Orlando squad, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh so as you look at this roster and the talent, um, I'm not gonna ask you guys about drafting because the NFL's already told me that they don't draft us. I you know, I don't know. We we that's a whole nother longer show discussion. Um but we know that we can get to the NFL. There's ways to the NFL. So as you look at this roster, 
Keith and Vaughn, who are some names that have pro potential? I mean, really, for what, what you've seen and what you hear, who are guys who have future pro potential uh, on their name? Uh, we'll go. We'll start Keith and then go to Vaughn. Bowler. I think he. I think he's going to send me his way to the NFL. Uh, especially, it helps. That, <laughs> there you go, Vaughn. You caught the joke. Uh, it helps that his brother just dropped a four three at the HBCU uh, combine earlier this this spring. But you look at his size. Look at his potential. Look at his build. I mean, to me, Bowler is Bowler is your obvious choice. I think Major Major has a chance, but it, it's you know it's a smaller chance. But I think. Man, Kendall Bowler, that size, that potential, that speed, and that kind of dog that he just got. Yeah, man. I, I think he's gonna he's gonna go somewhere. Okay. Okay. Uh what about you, Vaughn? I I I I told you Keith has my notes here. I don't know how he's seeing them, but uh <laughs> I was at practice last week and there was scout there and I was trying to look on his pad to see what he had, but he was obviously the obviously there to see uh Kendall Bowler because I saw every time Kendall moved, he he wrote down things. But also a person that I really think has pro potential on that team is Anthony Dunn. He has the size, he's a good edge rusher, and uh you know, he he just came into his own last year at the end of the year as he got time to play, and he is looking good. Um, you know, the NFL kind of frowns on linebackers with Isaiah Major's frame. That would only – so the NFL might be an issue for him, but not saying he can't make it pro because we got other leagues now. Right. Um, and and then the, the, dark, the dark horse would be uh, Riley. Marcus Riley. He's a very, very talented uh, receiver. And, uh, you know, I've seen him. We, we were talking about how receivers couldn't get off of the line. I've seen he has great hands to get the defensive backs hands off of him. So um, that that that's something that's positive uh, for him. Mm -hmm. uh, saw somebody here in the chats mention Kamari, Kamari Young with an opportunity. Uh, and, you know, that's that's a name out there. Uh, what about you, uh, Marcus? As, as you uh, you know, pay attention to how guys have been recruited and things of that nature. What's uh, what's your thoughts there? Uh, in terms of NFL potential, to be honest, maybe is it, or pro football potential, just based coming out of camp and his accolades coming out of high school, even though he didn't get a lot of playing time at his previous university. I say Cardell Thomas. I mean, you okay. see some of the some of the uh, clips that they did show, or I guess are allowed to show, you know, from practice and him going against Gentle Hunt. And I don't the ones that I saw, you know, I didn't see General getting too much the best of, of Cardell. And so he has the size, he has the pedigree coming from LSU, and he's only one year removed from LSU. And he came out as a four star. So he had all he ran the whole circuit of the high school. All American games when he's coming out, and so I think he has potential. And I also agree with with Keith and uh, and Vaughn as it relates to the Kendall Bowler, but I would also say Cardell Thomas has a good shot too, especially based on some of our previous seasons offensive linemen get at least getting tryouts at the professional level, whether it be the NFL or some of the other leagues. Mm -hmm. uh, Kelvin. I think um, everybody's kind of 
discuss the two that the main two that were probably Cardell and and um Bowler are probably gonna be the the most likely candidate. But I give you two names that I think if their production increases will also have a chance. I give you three as a matter of fact. And Vaughn mentioned one, which was Anthony Dunn. Um, I agree with the, the the person who posted about um um tight end um Kamari. Kamari yeah. But the, the only problem though, yeah, the only problem is he, you know, they don't we don't feature him enough. But he has size, he has great hands, he can run, he's an every down tight end. So he has the NFL metrics, but uh, you know, we just don't use the tight end enough. But he's a person that if he gets a shot. That he has the talent and, and, and the metrics probably to, to have a chance. Also, uh, you talk about linebackers. I agree they're gonna see a, a major as a Isaiah Major as a tweener, which is probably hurting him, even though he has production. Um, uh, the other Ch- Cheney, John Cheney, linebacker. I mean, he sits two. He's two twenty five. Uh, he's been playing since he was a sophomore. He's got another year left, so he's going to have a production. And, uh, man, if you saw him against Grambling, some, some of the hits he made last year, man, I mean, when, you know, he's an enforcer. So I think he's he's a he's a guy that probably is going to have a legitimate shot going into next year um, at the league. Okay. Um, I know we're we're coming up on our time with our, with our guys, but I, I wanted to – I'd be remiss if we if we let you guys go without talking of two different things here. One are our FAMU volleyball team. Um, you know, we, we've got a, a championship level team. I mean, two-time defending swag champs, been to the NCAA tournament twice. Um, what's what's just your general uh take observation on our FAMU volleyball team, which you know, there was a period of time in the MEAC where, you know, we were just running people off the court. And so I feel like we're starting to rebuild the magic of those years back when Coach Tony was running it. Uh, what, what's uh, Vaughn and then Keith, what's, what's some of your thoughts on our volleyball team success and, and what you see from this uh, team? So so this is the ONG strike zone, so I can be on sensor, right? Yes. Yes, you can. Yes, yes you can. And I don't mean cursing, but I'm going to just say this. Uh, I've watched FAMU volleyball for years. Um, Coach Trifonoff, uh, Pam Riley, actually, who was a former basketball player, was our first coach that actually won a MEAC title. Uh, okay. she, she was inducted into the Hall of Fame recently. Then Coach Trifonoff came in, and what he did was bring an international contingent in to take FAMU's volleyball to the highest level it had ever been. It hosted an NCAA regional in Gaither Gym with Jacksonville University, Stanford University, and the University of Florida. That's how good they were. They beat Nebraska and broke a 10-year home game winning streak in Nebraska. And I saw that. I have that broadcast somewhere. You have to hear the announcers. So FAMU's volleyball has been in the highest of highs. Near the end of Coach Trifonoff's career, they kind of fell off. Um, the dynamics of the team changed between Riley and 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 uh, Trifonoff. It was an all-black team during Pam Riley. It was an international team, strictly international team, pretty much during Trifonoff's career. Um, what I see from Coach Gokhan is he has brought back the team to look like a FAMU team, and I'm really really proud of that. 
and led by Brooklyn Watts, who is a, uh, I think she's a sophomore. And Brooklyn is as ruthless as they come. She's a great outside hitter. If you set it up anywhere near there, she did really good. She had like 16 kills against US, UAB this past weekend. I look for this volleyball team. We were we relied on Dominique Washington the last couple of years. But let me tell you, in the championship game, Brooklyn Watts actually outplayed Dominique last year. And she has continued that role. I look for nothing less than a SWAC championship. And I hope the rest of the team gels and we're able to steal a victory away in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that that, that definitely would be nice. Uh, Keith? I, I agree. I mean, it's early in the season. And much like most other sports teams at FAMU, we kind of build along as the season goes on. But we also get the benefit of new facilities. Like one of the things that was mentioned before, we talked about how Coach Simmons has benefited from getting his own facilities. How is Family Volleyball going to benefit from getting a gym as well as basketball? Like they're going to be able to use Gaither and practice in there opposed to having to use the Lawson Center and the times when they can and cannot use it. So that's going to be kind of fun. And do we get home games back at Gaither, which is a much more intimate setting and a smaller venue? So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's going to become a place where if we can get the students to come to the games, it can become a very intimidating atmosphere because we all experience games with Gaither and Gaither, man, you know, when the air condition was working, it, it was, it was a good game, but when it wasn't, it was even better because you knew the right was going to win. Oh, I love the, I love the reference with the AC. If you, that's one of those hashtags. If you, if you know, you know, you know, <laughs> if you didn't experience going to a game when the AC didn't work in Gaither, you, you didn't live life. You didn't live life on campus. Um, the uh, the state of FAMU athletics um, on the on the surface um, it appears to be good. Uh, you know, eight months here into uh, the uh, tenure of uh, AD uh, Tiffany Dawn Sykes, um, you know, and uh, some of the things and the initiatives we've seen. Um, I'm curious where you think we are, where we should be. And I, I'm going to give – I'm going to start with Keith because I love Keith's podcast the other day when he talked about the vision. And I was like, whoa, Keith, okay, go ahead. I, I love where you're going with that. Um, so as we talk about the state of FAMU athletics and sort of we wrap up a sort of our roundtable, uh, what, what is the state of FAMU athletics and, and where, where does it need to be really at the end of the 23-24 academic year? I feel like the athletics department is improving, but as I stated, I, I don't feel like we have a clear mission, vision, and values. So I'm um, a teacher, and y'all know teachers always have some type of side hustles. The summer I worked at a place, not gonna say the name because they don't pay any uh, any dues here. But one of their big things is their mission, vision, values, and I don't think FAMU athletics as a whole has a clear mission, vision, values. I think football does. I can you can sit up there, faith, family, football, very much that Bobby Bowden spiel, but. Willie Simmons knows what they're trying to do mission, vision, value-wise. But if you were to go to the ONG Strike Zone, Things Up podcast, and other shows, and we were to talk about FAMU athletics, we can't do what the Jackson State folks can say, do with VI Love. That's that's their mission, vision, value right there. And you, they can expound, expound upon it. I don't think FAMU's there yet. I think AD Sykes is getting there. But I think within her first year, she's had a lot of successes. She's had a couple fumbles, too. But that's natural when it's your first time as an AD and there's some things, there's some learning curves that are going to come and hopefully they get fixed. But so far, I'm going to give her a B if I'm giving her a grade. Um, I would love to give her an A, but 
some things I'm seeing, you know, tickets and other things. I'm leaving that to be for now. All right. I love the honesty. Uh, Vaughn, what we got? Listen, I'm going to be frankly honest. You cannot judge a family athletic director until they've hosted a home game. Then you, then you judge them. That's what family people. Yes, sir. Their ice is there enough water? Are there enough concessions? People are the park. Is the parking marked? Can you get to your parking? Is someone in your parking space? Um, Fortunately for uh, AD Sykes, she does have Michael Smith, who's very. Uh, well experienced in the game day experience and I saw him the other day over there doing some game day um, uh, preparations but the athletic director is going to be judged by how they handle game day. If you have a respect for the people that have been buying tickets for 50 years and pay for their parking spaces and they can get to their parking spaces and their parking space has no longer disappeared uh, (laughs) you know they they, they, it's going to be a problem anytime you raise ticket prices. So that to me, that doesn't phase me at all. Everybody has to raise ticket prices. That that I can't go to buy eggs for the same price I used to buy, man. I'm, I'm just using me as an example. So everybody's going to complain every time you raise prices. But that first game day experience is going to determine so much uh, uh, about your leadership of the athletic department. Hmm. Well said. Well said. Uh Kelvin, would you like to add to that? What would, what would you what would you add and say the state of FAMU athletics is and should be, will be? So, and, and like Vaughn just hit it on the nail, and of course we have some experience with that. So, uh, <laughs> so, 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 yeah, that part of it, right? But to get away from just that part of it, you know, do we still don't? Keith, I love this podcast as well, and you talked about the vision. Um, until I start seeing um, capital campaigns for athletic, uh, endowed scholarships, um, uh, actual um, facilities plan for all the facilities, you know, new grandstand for baseball, P systems at baseball, softball, in-house, the the, the infrastructure for the for the tech technology and IT at those facilities, you know, and, and actually having a budget at the beginning of the year that includes operational and and all these kind of things until i see that then you know it's 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 a question mark and i know at family just like with most with, with most um hbcus it's not totally up to the ad I, I understand that you know you have politics and influencers and the leadership and so forth and and you know her being the first time a uh ad she's got to maneuver through all that kind of stuff and that's the part I'm really still waiting to see, um, as well as seeing her come on the ONG strike zone. Ding, Marcus, what would you uh, would you like to add there? I love that. Uh, I, I guess what I would add. Um, what I would add is we just saw Diddy give a million dollars to Jackson State. Yes, sir. And a two, maybe last week or the week before, Eddie Jackson mentioned about a campaign in order to raise money using Althea Gibson's name. And he specifically referenced uh, Mackenzie, I don't remember her maiden name, but the former wife of Jeff Bezos. And he kind of mixed it a little bit. It wasn't done for athletics, but how he mentioned, how do we get on the list of schools or HBCUs that got 
eight-figure donations from her. When we start seeing that on a regular basis on the school and athletic level, I think our state, we've gotten better in the last couple of years and we've made some improvements with a lot of the folks here on the call this evening and some of the ADs that have been here in the past and the last two ADs, the current and the past one. But when, what we need is a consistent uh, income revenue generating mechanism inclusive of being able to tap into resources that we see other schools get. Mackenzie Scott, thank you, J-Mac. Uh, and not missing the boat. Now, I know, and I, I don't know, you know, did he spend his money the way he wants to? And he gave a million to Howard as well. So I don't know if that was just the wave of, of Coach Prime being there, just jumping on the bandwagon or jumping, you know, in the spotlight. But we have that same potential. And we do have the LeBron deal for, for the apparel. Who still hasn't but, been on campus yet. Yes, but we start meeting this, and we do have uh, Ocho Cinco as our athletics ambassador. So we need to turn that into something that's quantifiable in terms of bumping up bank accounts and having consistent revenue or uh, philanthropic side on athletics such that we can continue to compete or even surpass what we see at the HBCU level and start to compete at the FCS and maybe even group of five level. I'll ask this question though, with that LeBron deal, is it truly a LeBron deal or is it a Nike deal? Like, I, I mean, let's, let's kind of hit the elephant in the room. Nike and Nike, Jordan, LeBron are all the same company. We're still a Nike school. We're just wearing LeBron apparel. So we're saying it's a LeBron deal, but how much of this is really a true LeBron deal or is it that, hey, they're trying out this new product on FAMU who's already a Nike school? So I don't know. I mean, I just I know it's kind of a little bit of conspiracy theorist historian in me. But I do ask that question of sometimes we do tout things and sometimes you kind of look back at it and you're like, that's not really a Nike deal. It's, I mean, LeBron deal. It's a Nike deal. We're just wearing Nikes with LeBron logos. Well, you know, um, it's, it's a brand new venture, so. Of course, they don't have some of the apparel materials. You know, they, they develop those lines for some of the sports. But you, you got to remember now, he's Ohio State also has a uh, LeBron deal, and we do have his logo. So it's a LeBron Nike deal, all right? But um, what did we do to leverage that relationship? I mean, we have a Ken Griffey relationship tie-in who's also a big-time guy with the company. And to your – I mean, I think we're saying the same thing in, in that sense. Where are our leaders and our, our, our people of influence within the university structure in fostering those relationships to leverage mm -hmm. that so that we can take it to a, a higher level? I mean, we got folks in media, right? That And it's just, you don't see it. And so if you don't see it, you assume that it ain't happening. And and, and so, so I, I think that's what we're getting at, man. We we happy we we better than where we were, but we ain't where we need to be, and I'm not sure we putting in the work to get there. That's gonna be the next test. And is the last time we really saw that come to fruition really from Al Lawson? When you look at that, the the facility bearing his name, you know he's a politician, and you know he finds ways to you know help get that building created. But where, where is the rest of this gonna? When is it gonna come to fruition? Because we talk about the P3. We see where FAMU's doing things with land acquisition, but 
we, we see where college town is encroaching, encroaching upon our university and mm -hmm. encroaching upon our south side of Tallahassee. But mm -hmm. how long is it going to take for the south side to be able to truly benefit, especially the Bond neighborhood? My mom, look, that, that, that house across from the Robinson's food store, that's my mom's house. That's how she owned. So I, I grew up around Bond. But when when will that start impacting FAMU to where we can get those hotels not to just be in walking distance, but to also potentially be on campus to where we can have that that 24-7 area, that 365-day-a-year spot where when we're having recruits coming to visits, they stay on our property and they pay things like that. It, it just creates a cycle where FAMU can become a self-sustaining entity upon itself. Mm -hmm. Well, it has been presented. One thing the administration can't say that it, it hasn't been presented. We we put a P three out there with uh, that option, along with hotels and and facilities and and food service and retail. If you think about the south side, there's really not any um sit down eating, eating restaurants and so forth. So so there's a lot of niche there that can, like, as you say, can can drive revenue year year round. If we were, if we had the vision and the commitment to do so, and so hopefully folks will keep talking about it. I know we're going to keep talking about it on our podcast, and maybe at some point it, it'll pick up steam. And also, we got to have the balls to just go ahead and execute it. I'm gonna just say it like that because Tony Baselli <laughs> from the Jacksonville Jaguars was on campus with a team with a P3 yeah. proposition yeah. for us, and they came over and they were very, very interested in doing it, and we got Kofi and didn't execute it. But just like you said, it's going to take somebody to, to, to stand up and say, hey, this is the direction to the future, as opposed to just trying to continue to hold on to what we have to be scared to go forward. I think I've right. seen that so many times that everybody's doing P3s now. And we had Tony Vaselli, Tony Vaselli and his whole group came over to campus with that P3 option for a new stadium they would manage the stadium. We would have complete ability to use the stadium anytime we needed to. Their their deal was they would make some of their money back by renting it out for concerts or whatever. But listen, we get a brand new stadium. What other way are we going to get $85 million? Wow. And, and then how do you not use that? I mean, honestly, Florida State really stole the chart. And, you know, as much as it may have looked like I was picking at Florida State, Florida State was my first job. I worked at the Office of Financial Aid at Florida State. They put an office building around the stadium and got the people of Florida to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And then all of a and sudden, that, that right, with the classroom. So now it's not just a stadium, but it's an office complex. And it, it really put everything in a centralized location. It helps deal with parking. And you could really do that with Bragg, you know, almost – or a new stadium, break it up, move your most of your facilities there, and it would really fix a lot of your problems. But Keith, let me go right back to what we said about somebody has to have the balls to pull the trigger. The Cavs building was supposed to be built onto the north yeah. end zone of Bragg Stadium. You could have yeah. upgraded that whole stadium in that process. Mm -hmm. yeah. The whole stadium yeah. could have been upgraded in that process, but we chicken out. We got to stop doing that. Yep, we saw what USF is doing. I mean, it's it's a it's scary if you look what they're about to do with that stadium. It's risk. It's straight up risk with their on campus facility. It's like what is it, a couple hundred million dollar million. Like yeah. it's scary if you're a USF fan. You got to be like shaking in your boots. But they're going for it. <laughs> well, they got an enrollment, so yeah, um, yeah. Wow, I 
I sort of I, I'm summarizing my thoughts with what Kenya said right there, uh, and so I'm, I'm just going I'm just going to put that back out there and then and say, mm, great point, Kenya. Uh, all right, so um, Vaughn, Keith, uh, we appreciate you being a part of this uh, roundtable uh, talk, not only just on FAMU football but our athletic department. Uh, Vaughn, give uh, get a people, get a plugs, let people know how they can reach out to you and uh, what do you got going on? I know you've been doing the series covering the Florida Classic, so feel free to, to talk about that. Well, this year, uh, the Florida Classic partnered with HBCU Game Day to produce a series called The Road to the Florida Classic. And uh, each month, we're going to produce a, a special, uh, you know, when we were... Uh, lining out the shows i said the first one needed to be football before a game was played just in case one of the teams doesn't have a good record it's kind of hard to go in there and, and interview and do that in the middle of the season and ask them about the florida classic they're gonna be like coach you shouldn't be thinking about the florida classic you should be thinking about the game this weekend right. and so uh we did that and we were invited down to uh bethune and uh coach woody wore mike for me and then of course i covered the scrimmage in uh quincy here our next one will be on the bands. We were going to film the episode in Daytona on Thursday, but, you know, with one inch of rain, all of Daytona Beach floods, so we moved that date back. And uh, we'll be getting the March of 100, obviously, at the Orange Blossom Classic. And then the third one will be about uh, just the intertwining of the families uh, in the Orange Blossom Classic. It's just so intertwined, and that's what one of the things that makes it unique. But if if I can take the privilege to say one thing before we get off, because we're talking about USF. The, the first major win over a, um, say, Power 5 school and a, and a uh, FCS school, the, the most important one in the South was 1969. Mm -hmm. Fam, you played okay. the University of Tampa. Right. And Jay Gaither was the coach and Scruggs was the quarterback and nobody gave FAMU a chance in hell of beating the University of Tampa and FAMU defeated them. And so that's going down this history as one of the first um, games in the South where a, a HBCU played a, a, a predominant school uh, in that manner and FAMU won that game. The, the importance of that is we need that snake the strike again this year against usf we need to not beat the other tampa team uh with an fcs school beating a fbs school yeah it, it'd be nice to have a great crowd and the band show up i mean wait, wait i'm sorry uh be great to have a nice crowd and everybody and, and just, i'm not just, touching that uh right i'm i'm not either I, I just had to correct myself before i got too far down the road on it um <laughs> Appreciate you, Vaughn. Uh, Keith, what do we got? Uh, get a plugs. What you working on? What you got? Uh, definitely working on the Fangs Up podcast. It's always going to be down there in Miami. Uh, also running the fifth quarter FAMU Twitter page. Uh, also quietly uh, helping out with the Florida Regional Association of National Alumni Association on their social media, as well as the uh, Rattler Booster Club. So just making sure I give it back. You know, these are organizations. I was a I was, a, I was a member of the Boosters when I was in college. So uh, just giving back to those who poured into me because some of them are like family and 
some of them are family. So just giving back that, those ways and just being at the games. And look, I'll see y'all there. Yeah, mo- most definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you down. Um, you guys uh, travel safe down to uh, Miami Gardens, and uh, we will uh, we'll see you when you get down there. Uh, folks, make sure you hit up uh, Keith and Vaughn uh, on, on social media, Facebook, wherever they are. Uh, make sure you follow their content. And make sure you uh, uh, just send them a note of appreciation. A great, great conversation here. Hopefully, you yeah. you got some some insight into some things that uh, maybe we we don't even get a chance to talk about or or, or have uh, knowledge about. So it, it's good to kind of have these kind of roundtables. So uh, Vaughn and Keith, we we definitely appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yes, indeed. All right, let's uh, let's take a short break. Come back, and then we're going to wrap it up with our pick five. We're going to pick five games, and then we're going to give you our bold predictions for the uh, Orange Blossom Classic. We'll be back in just a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have in me the ability to make you a better you. So if you work hard, focus, stay on point, you can do anything. Trust me. We made this track to tell everybody they can follow their dreams. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational powerhouse intelligent and sincere that's the voice you need for your creative marketing process k-e-a-v-e-r-s-v-o-i-c-e.com covers voice covers voice covers voice.com always on all the time when we invest in ourselves our glow our vision our vibe we all shine Together, we are black beyond measure. Remember the revival? Relive the remix. Reunite for the Orange Blossom Classic. HBCU reunion experience. It's year three, baby, and we back with that fire. Calling all HBCU fans. Labor Day weekend. The I Love Jackson State University takes on the Venomous. Florida A&M University. Tickets are on sale now. Watch the game in premium style seating. Or watch it from a luxury suite. And of course, you know the halftime show. It's going to be epic right here in the 305. The sonic boom of the South. And the illustrious Marching 100. Who you rocking with? The 2023 Orange Blossom Classic. Don't miss the HBCU reunion experience. Labor Day weekend. Miami Gardens, Florida. Hard Rock Stadium. Trust me, we'll see you there. Oh, oh, oh. Check out OrangeBlossomClassic.com for tickets and info.
right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Uh, just us three guys. Uh, appreciate Vaughn and uh, enjoy uh, it for mm-hmm. joining us yeah. uh, with the roundtable. Um, good stuff. Um, good comments. Appreciate you guys in the chats, YouTube, Facebook, uh, for for your comments. Um, good stuff. Some interesting, interesting thoughts and and such in there. Um, Want to make mention? I saw somebody uh, who was a J Mac brought up that uh, he thought we would actually be a nine to ten point underdog. I I don't think it'll be that much, J Mac. I think it'll be. I, I'm going to say it's going to be six and a half to seven. I don't know if it's going to be nine to ten. Now you let me know if you've seen it nine or ten. Then you let me know because I'm looking. I'm I'm looking to see what's out there. Uh, I know that the. South Carolina State Jackson State game opened at about eleven points and got to anywhere from seven to eight. Um, yeah, let's just say your boy was on the wrong side of that number all day and every way, all day and every way. So wrong. I think that's part of why I had such a bad ride back home. Just thinking about what was. <laughs> Thinking about what was lost, but the but the metric said Jackson State was going to win by 14, 15 points. The computer analytics won. Uh, the the computer analytics say Jackson State is a six and a half to seven point favorite. Um, so I will say you're you're wrong, computer again. And this time I'm I'm holding out hope that I'm going to be right. So I'll be looking for those numbers. Uh, so when you see them, J-Mac, hit me up. Or if you if you find them anywhere, I know it's hard. First day of the college football season. Week one begins tomorrow with a lot of games happening um, across the country. Even in this HBCU space, there are a lot of uh, teams playing uh, tomorrow. If you ever want to, for anybody out there, if you ever want to kind of get a good look at the schedule week to week, Go to onadin2.com. Onadin2. That's O N N I D A N, the number two.com. And uh, that's a great site that you can go to and you can actually see uh, the games that are playing uh, beginning Thursday. Yeah, Thursday the 31st. There's several teams playing. Uh, West Virginia State, Lincoln, Missouri, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, playing uh, Tulsa, North Carolina A&T, traveling to UAB, uh, Kentucky State, Clark Atlanta, Lincoln, PA, Virginia, Lynchburg. Those are all schools that are playing. Uh, yeah, fortunately, EA, I was a, I was a little bit smarter. I, I was much reserved. Thankfully, I was reserved. I, I you know, thankfully. I knew better, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh let's let's set the weekend and let's get ready to get out of here, fellas. Uh first off, FAMU volleyball will be in Jacksonville Friday and Saturday. Uh playing two games on Friday against the Citadel at noon. And then playing Northern Arizona at 6 p.m. 
Both of these games are played in the Jacksonville Invitational, I believe, on the campus of Jacksonville University. Uh, some interesting notes from these two opponents. The Citadel is actually, uh, the, in terms of record-wise, the team that comes in with the best record. They're 3-0 and with a, with a ranking from Massey ratings of 179. Northern Arizona comes in with a record of 2-1. and they actually lost a five-set match to Prairie View A&M over the weekend. Uh, so they're ranked 221. And then on Saturday, we play the host school Jacksonville University at 1 p.m. Jacksonville has a record of 1-2. and two. I think their one win came against Bethune-Cookman. And they're ranked 217. So, uh, be a good weekend for FAMU volleyball to get a couple. Uh, you know, I, I know. Yeah, I, I I do expect that they'll they'll at least win two. They have a chance at three. I think part of uh, not closing out last week game against better competition was partially being new, partially getting in condition and getting in shape. You know, we still this is still a new team. You figure it out, everybody role and what rotations mm-hmm. work. And then also, you know, being in a pressure situation and then just having, you know, endurance. So I think all of that went into play. And I think last uh, last week's tournament will carry over to this week's tournament. And I, I think we have better we have better results. Yeah, we hope so. I mean, remember, volleyball doesn't get a chance to have a long ball camp. I mean, they really well, when when the volley, volleyball didn't, they started like almost a week and a half, two, two weeks, two weeks, they, they, they two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And we so, have nine new players. Yeah, so including and, five freshmen. Exactly. So if a lot of our girls weren't around on the fall, which I don't believe they were, then you, you definitely have that. You know, it's 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 tough. It's a tough road trying to 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 gel and put everybody together with the volleyball rules the way they are. And then as coach Gokhan told us when he came and visited uh, with us a couple of weeks ago, when you don't have your team on campus for summer school, you know, so not, you know, it it is what it is. Facts, reality, you know, no excuses, but it is just is what it is. Okay. Uh, Pick five contest. So we're going to put five games. I put five games on the schedule. Um, we have to uh, pick. These are straight up, no spreads. Um, Marcus, can I can I can I make you the official uh, stenographer of these? The record. <laughs> I I will I will I will put the games together, and the, you know I but I need a little help in terms of the you know writing down everybody's re- results so that way we can. Uh, keep a running tally of these things. Cause I, I don't think we've done that the last couple of years. It'll be kind of fun to see how we do with these. Sure. All right. So first matchup that I put on the list is a matchup in Jacksonville, Florida, the big cat classic between Florida Memorial university and Edward waters university. Uh, now the last two years, these teams have played the home team has won. Uh, two years ago, Edward Waters, I, I was at that game. They won in dramatic fashion. Uh, Florida Memorial, I was at that game last year. They actually won that contest at home. Uh, 
And so we'll see what this one has in store for these two schools. Of course, Florida Memorials and the NAIA. Edward Waters are part of the SIAC. Kelvin, who you got? FMU or EWU? This one is a is a toss up for me. Uh, I like it. I'm going with Air Waters because they're the home team. But I tell you, I think Florida Memorial having a game on any belt probably is a advantage at this point for them. But I, I go with the home team. Mm-hmm. Marcus, how about you? I'm gonna go with Florida Memorial just because I looked at their game last week against Bluefield State. They lost, but it was like 50 to 47, and their quarterback had like 300 plus yards. So I'm going to just roll with that, and he's a senior. So I'm going to roll with that. Yeah, he's uh, – that, that quarterback from Florida Memorial has been there for a minute. Um, I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going to go with the home team, E-Dub. There's a lot of emotion right now up at Edward Waters mm-hmm. after the uh, the shooting incident that took place. Uh, that That's a community that, you know, you they, they you, when you can rally around each other, in moments like these, and it kind of gives a team an extra boost of energy. So I'm going to go Edward Waters by a field goal, by a field goal. All right. So the next contest, the Red Tails Classic in Montgomery, Alabama, between Fort Valley State and Tuskegee University. It's uh, a 7 p.m. Eastern 6 local time, 6 p.m. local time. Fort Valley State has won the last two meetings. Uh, this game is played on, uh, I believe it's played on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. It yeah, is. It's, yeah, so it kind of it kind of airs right after the uh, the FAMU Jackson State Orange Blossom Classic um, some, somewhat. So, you know, a good opportunity after, for those who aren't going down to Miami, after you watch the uh, FAMU Jackson State game, you can uh, switch over and watch a little of the Rail Tales Classic. Um, what do you got, uh, Kelvin? We'll go with you to start. I'm gonna go with the the the, the state team, um, Tuskegee, and um, the reason I'm going with them primarily. I know Fort Valley lost a little talent last year. Of course, their running back just made the. Uh, the NFL as an undrafted free agent. So that tell you what kind of talent he he was. And so, you know, I, I like Tuskegee because, you know, their coach um, as well as their AD are our, our team in a tandem. And this is going into what year two, I believe, uh, together. So at yeah. Tuskegee, you know, and so I think they've got, you know, that program projecting up. And I, I like, uh, successful head coach when he becomes an AD at a Division II school. So I, I think they'll, they'll they'll pull it out. I'm going with Tuskegee. Okay. Marcus, what do you got? I'm going to go with Valley. I mean, they won the last two. Uh, they were 8-2 and two last year. And their quarterback was a redshirt freshman from South mm-hmm. Dade High School. And um, he, you know, had some good, decent – so, I think he's preseason offensive player of the year, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Valley, just based on the recent success. Boy, it, yeah. helps have that, it, it helps they have that running back, though. I'm going to say that. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. don't have it this oh, year. Yeah, yeah no, no. I, I'm going with Valley because I think, I think Valley is the team. Uh, Fort Valley State is one of the teams 
that I have playing in the uh, SIC championship. Uh, I, I'm, I think this is going to be their year uh, to make a to make a run. I, I really like the the coach over there. Uh, like, and I think uh, yeah, they're, they're missing that running back, but but I got a feeling their their coach. Uh, and I, I hate to say it, the name escapes me, but he's a former North Carolina A and T coach. Coached all those great running backs at A and T. Gibbs, I think, is his name. Uh, coach Gibbs, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think there's another running back that we're gonna see in the stable come out of Fort Valley State. So give me give me the Wildcats, Fort Valley State. Okay, moving over to uh, some games involving SWAC teams now for our last three games. How about the Labor Day Classic? But this is the one down in Baton Rouge between the Alabama State Hornets and the Southern University Jaguars. Uh, uh, a non-conference conference game. Very, very important distinction. Between uh, East Division, Alabama State, West Division, Southern. Tough game right out the box. Who you got, Kelvin? You got defense against offense. That's what this game comes down to. It's in Baton Rouge. So I have a tough time picking against Southern at home, first game of the season, and in a somewhat rivalry game. So you know, it's going to be jam-packed, staying be paid. I know Alabama State probably would travel well there, too. Uh, it should be a very exciting game. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go with Southern at home. Southern. What do you got, Marcus? Who do you got? I'm going to go with Southern as well. Southern at home. They've got a new quarterback, uh, a transfer coming in. Harold Blood. Mm-hmm. And um, Alabama A&M's – well, last year they had a, they have a good defense, and I thought, you know, in our preseason prediction, I thought if families were going to lead the East, I thought Alabama – I'm sorry, Alabama State. Alabama State would be um, second. I think they would be the toughest. So I'm going with Southern, but I think it's going to be nip and tuck. Now, I, I got to make a correction here just in case. I don't know if this will sway you anyway. I thought this game was at Southern. Correction. This game is at Alabama State. Uh, in mm. in ASU Stadium in Montgomery. Does that change anything for you guys? Because I, I wrote that wrong. I'm, I'm looking at onitin2.com, and this is Southern at Alabama State. That does change it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that does. Uh, hmm. Yeah, you, feel free to go back. You can go back and change it. I know. Who did, who did you just say, Marcus? Who did you just pick? I picked Southern. Okay, now, um, so I, I was, I was, I was all gonna pick Southern too, uh, and but I thought, and then I looked at the site, and said, "Oh, wait a minute, this game is at Alabama State." Uh oh. So, are we changing our pick here? No, because ultimately, I don't think uh, Alabama State can hold Southern under twenty-one, and unless the unless unless it unless it's under twenty-one, I don't see Alabama State beating them. So, so I'm gonna still stick with Southern, but it's gonna. Be, but I do predict like a 21-17 game, though. Uh, I'm sticking with Southern, Marcus. Uh, okay. You know, well, what, who who are you taking? I'm staying with Southern. All right. Well, hey, clean sweep there. Everybody's going for Southern. Uh, all right. Then we have a matchup uh, between. 
the SWAC versus the CAA, the Brick City Classic in Harrison, New Jersey, Red Bull Arena between Grambling State and Hampton, 3 o'clock Eastern is the kickoff for this contest. Uh, what do you got, Kelvin? Some really good matchups, man. You know, has Grambling grown offensively is going to be the question, right? Do they have a quarterback who can – I believe in their defense. I believe that in their talent. They did a, they, they they weren't bored of talent. My question is, can you coach as a head coach? And uh, do they have a quarterback? Hampton, you know, CAA, uh, they probably, you know, talent-wise is, is on a similar level. With them, I don't know if they got playmakers, right? I, I believe their defense is going to be pretty strong. I, I, I believe this is going to be a defensive um, slugfest, to be honest. And um, I'm a uh, this is more of me rooting for the um, because is that is that is in New Jersey, right? So, it is in New Jersey, yes. Yeah, so, so, so it's a neutral side game. Neutral side, yes. I'm gonna root, I'm root for, I'm gonna go for the SWAT team. I picked Grambling. Okay. Uh, what do you got, Marcus? Yeah, I'm, I don't know how much, what Hampton has. Uh, we saw Grambling last year, and we did get uh, – well, we made some errors, on, you know, on the offensive side and also uh, – I want to say – Special teams. Special teams. Special teams. So they showed well, resiliency. Turn, turn, turn down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They show resiliency. So I think they're going to build on year two, year number two with um with coach. So I'm gonna go with Grambling. Mm. I'm riding with Grambling as well. Uh I think uh when I made the pick on Sunday with uh with AD, I, I think I said it was I'm going swack. Um I'm, I'm going swack, although I'm very nervous. I'm very nervous. This is going to be one of them games where I'm I'm going to have some some choice words to say if Grambling A doesn't look good and B loses. So right. I'm going to have some things to say. I'm going to have some things to say, no doubt. Okay, and our last game of our pick five is another Labor Day Classic. This one is in Houston, Texas. This is a SWAT West matchup, and this one counts. Prairie View, Texas Southern. Uh, this series has been dominated by Prairie View. Uh, I believe it's played in the same uh, arena that Texas Southern plays their home game. So when it's the it's the uh, soccer stadium, uh, soccer built uh, arena that uh, that FAMU when they travel to Texas to take on Texas Southern, be the same location. So Prairie View, Texas Southern. Who we got, Kelvin? Labor Day Classic in Houston, Texas. Mommy body. This might, this might be my only time picking Texas Southern if they don't pull this one out now. <laughs> they don't so, get this one done, yeah. They don't, if they don't get this one, I'm off the bandwagon. But I'm, 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 already. I'm, yeah, already from jump. But I'm going to go with Texas <laughs> Southern on this one. What do you got, Marcus? Uh, I know they're playing at home. But, but I'm going to go with PV. Because I, I just, I just like 
Well, I want to see what Bubba McDowell's got, but they got that transfer. I think it's Caleb Johnson from Mississippi Valley. Ended mm-hmm. up going there. Okay. And I really like his game. So yeah. I'm gonna go with that. Mm, I didn't know Caleb Johnson was that preview. That's uh mm, that's interesting. I but I gotta go with uh Andrew Body in Texas Southern. One of the besides us and I believe Alabama AM, they have 10 returners on offense. This is supposed to be the year, right? This is supposed it's to be supposed the year. To be so it all starts with with week one. If you don't win week one, I, I don't know what the rest of the season is going to look like for, for Texas Southern. So yeah. uh, they, they need to sort of slay the beast and uh, and beat Prairie View this, uh, this contest. All right. So that one was two to one. So, okay. So we'll see. We got a few, we got at least a few games that we are different than. So that'll give us, a little variety here after uh, week one. Let's talk about the uh, Orange Blossom Classic in terms of bold predictions and score. And, and I, I don't want the score to be a bold prediction. I'm looking for something else. Individual. It can be a unit team. One side of the ball or something. I, so I, I, that's what I'm looking for here. So uh, why don't I start with you on this one, Marcus? Maybe a, a bold prediction from you and, and a score. If uh, I, if you've already given it, don't worry about it, but just more so concentrate on the bold prediction. Mm, score, uh, I have to, I'm going to say 31-24 FAMU. And bold prediction, we get a special teams touchdown. Now, which level of special teams? Be more specific. Wow. Or, or, or are you just leaving it in general? So it can I'm going to say return, kickoff return. Well, I was going to leave it general, but I'm going to say uh, punt return. Okay. Punt return touchdown. Bold prediction. Okay. Care to care to say it? Care to even go any bolder and throw a player's name out there? Well, our two punt returners are uh, Jamari uh, Gassett and um, – Cherie K dot. So I don't know who's ever back there, but I think they both have the potential to take it. If Cherie's back there, I know he's starting uh wide receiver as well. So I don't know what the depth. We don't necessarily have to have him back there mm-hmm. with Jamari Gassett, but um I'm gonna okay. say Gassett if he I'm just gonna throw his name. I don't know okay. who's I don't know I like who's gonna that. be returning punts, but I'm gonna say him. I like that. I like that. Be be bold. It's called bold predictions. So what, what was that score again that you decided to give? 31-24. 31-24. Put put that on the sheet too. I didn't I didn't I was looking for a pencil to write that down. 31 to 24. Okay. Kelvin, what do you got? My bold prediction is I'm going to say we're going to jump out early. Um we're going to do what Jets State kind of did last year even though they only scored 7 in the first quarter, and I think they scored 21 in the second. But I, I think we're going to get off to a fast start. I'm going to say that family is going to put two touchdowns up early in the uh, first quarter. And first quarter, as, touchdowns. In the Good. First, uh, and uh, I'm going to go with a score of 31 to 14. Um, as long as we don't turn the ball over, I just don't see team nobody being able to put two touchdowns on our defense. That's the key. If we turn the ball over, 
It's going to be a very, very tough game. All right. Um, my bold prediction, I'm going with a pick six. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to go right off the bat. I'm, I'm going to give one of two names. I'm going to give two names. I'm going to either go Kendall Bowler from the cornerback position or Isaiah Major. Mm. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm sort of rolling the dice on one of those two coming up with a pick six. Um, I, I think that'll be uh, that'll be pretty impressive. That'll be good. And then a score. Ugh. Twenty-seven, seventeen. Twenty-seven, seventeen. I think we. Um, I, I like I like your your thought about getting out. So I'm gonna keep it low. So I know the over under is like forty nine points. I'm I'm saying play the under, uh, especially if you think about two years ago what this game was, and then of course even last year we pointed out the fact that we gave up three touchdowns on. Non non off non defensive versus offense. It was like pick six, fumble return, kick. Right. Take those block, away. Yeah. Take those away. Block we, we still lose. Yeah, block punt. Yeah. We still lose probably 38 to 7 or 38 to 3, but it's under 49. So without the foolishness, this game is going to be under 49 points. So that that's sort of my my pro wagering analysis there. Um, and then look for, I will, I will advise you to look for FAMU on the money line, especially if you can get points. Uh, so we are scheduled, Kelvin and I, we're scheduled to be down in South Florida. We've got space in the tailgate area. So if you're going to be coming down to Hard Rock Stadium, and you want to come through the tailgate area. Uh, I think they said there's supposed to be some now some concert with uh, Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Dupree. Jermaine you know, uh, who I didn't <laughs> even know who still put music out. But anyway, uh, Jermaine Dupree is going to be in the house. Uh, look, we'll be there. So look for look for the FAMU tent. Uh, look for the FAMU tent. Uh, we, we're going to try to film uh, a pre-show on Sunday before we head into the stadium. Uh, hopefully everything works out for us to be able to do that. We might have a special guest from Jackson State uh, because uh, Timona from uh, She Loves D is now part of the Black College Sports Network. And so we'll be looking for her. We might So we might have a little FAMU Jackson State banter. So any of you that are going to be coming down and you're going to be there early i think tailgating or that thing opens up at 11 o'clock so look for us mm -hmm. you'll see us you know and uh give us a shout out of course those who'll be in the uh club level section uh, we appreciate all your support i see them. <laughs> hey you know we 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 I look, I anyway, I I'll I'll speak off my look. Hey, it's it's, it's uh, I don't even know. How, look, I, I I'm being corporate here. Black College Sports Network. We we won't look. Our show is our show. We talk about FAMU. She talks about Jackson State. We've got a lot of great Jackson State people on there. I had a good time when I went on the show. 
uh, last week to make the announcement. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's it's all it's all love. It's all it's all love until we play each other. So we'll just we'll just go there with that. Um, so, uh, Marcus, any final thoughts before we get ready to close out the show? Well, rubber hits the road. Three o'clock Sunday. Yes, sir. All this prep work, all this recruiting stuff, all this chit chat and jibber jabber, like Mr. T used to say. <laughs> it's time to show. Chit chat and jibber jabber. I love mm-hmm. that. I love it. Uh, what do you got, Kelvin? I think the temperament of the team and the approach has been just what it need for fall camp. Um, we didn't have a bunch of too much drama. Uh, so, you know, we got 41 or 42 seniors, grad students, uh, redshirt seniors on this squad. I don't want to hear it. Let's produce. It's showtime. Hey, I uh, I was sitting here looking at our depth chart. Our twos would be a really good team. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying our our twos will be a really good team. So I that just when I look at our ones and twos and say, man, what what great depth we have. Uh a lot of options, a lot of opportunities for guys to be fresh and stay fresh. So uh we're looking forward to it, man. I mean, all the all the all, you know, it's not nerves, it's nerves of excitement. That's really what it is. Not not nervous, nervous. It's just nerves of excitement, ready for the season to begin, uh, ready to start this journey uh, with the boys and, and watch them. And so we appreciate all of you. There's we appreciate your support. Again, there's different ways in which you can support the show. Um, again, we appreciate everybody who who's been a supporter of the new JBN memberships and has taken advantage of watching our um our new uh actually we could say uh part two of our preview show uh part one and two are now available uh you can go to my uh youtube.com my jbn online slash join and actually uh watch both one and two uh, your donation is uh we'll, we'll have ex- we'll have exclusive content and first watch things with the Black College Sports Network, so it's a membership not just for our show, but for the uh, for the network as well. And so, some some really good stuff here. But it's more so just a way to support Black-owned media, uh, HBCU sports media, uh, and we appreciate you. Make sure you you sign up in that second tier or the uh, the third tier. You can be a network loyalist um, or a uh, um, a JBN executive as <laughs> our executive membership level. So, um, all right. Uh, I encourage everybody to hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door, hit the, uh, make sure you're following us all on the social media stream, share the show, share our content. The podcast of this show is always going to be on YouTube, but then you can go to, um, uh, the BCSN pod zone, and find the podcast on the Google Play, Apple Apps. No, not no. I'm sorry, that's uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Google Play, Apple App Store, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Almost, almost forgot to read. There's so many of them these days. Um, appreciate you. And still, there's time. Yeah, there's time. If you want to go, if you want to put this up one last time for anybody who's missed it, there it is. Justlookingout.com is the website. $109. Tell a friend. You can even go to our Twitter feed, retweet the message that we sent out on Twitter, also on Facebook and Instagram. So don't let a rattler go sit in the heat. Don't let a rattler sit somewhere where they don't have great club access level. Come on, look out for your family and let them know about this uh, great deal. $109 for a ticket right behind the marching hundred. Two fifty. You what what you can't get a better spot. Just looking out.com. Use the code BCSN for strike zone. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for tonight's show. Again, gotta think Keith Hadley, Fangs Up Podcast, FAMU FQ, and of course uh Vaughn Wilson, HBCU Game Day. Uh please make sure to check out their content. Show them some love and appreciation whenever you see them. Uh we will see you. In that place right over my shoulder down in South Florida all this weekend. You uh, make sure to be safe on your travels, Rattler Nation, as you're heading down. Uh, look out for one another. Uh, let's let's get ready to put these things up, and let's be ready to strike hard and make sure that we strike, strike, and strike again. And let's have a great weekend. Hashtag beat JSU. Every tweet that you send out, just put hashtag beat JSU. All the right. Orange Blossom Classic. The, exactly. The damn orange blossom classic. All damn that it. Blue, that blue, blue blossom mess y'all running around. Y'all can have that next year when it's y'all classic and it's not us playing in it. Oh, let me stop. I don't get in trouble. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for uh, for watching and uh, supporting. And we are out. Peace out, everybody. <laughs>